Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jameson Williams, a speedster, has a block. Williams cuts up, 25, 20, still on his feet. Jameson Williams scores! This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one, launching deep, going for Brandon Ayuk. It is, oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty, is he in? 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Third down. Four-man rush. Purdy in some trouble. Escapes. Looking for the first down. He's got it anymore. Brock Purdy with the legs inside the 30. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers. He dives. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Second and ten to the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Dion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And here we go on a Monday, an off week of football. Super Bowl next week in Vegas, and we will be there Monday through Friday of next week with this show covering NFL media headquarters in Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay or just off the Mandalay Bay. In Las Vegas, we do have Super Bowl 58 set, the Chiefs, and also the uh, the 49ers with a dramatic comeback. We'll get into a lot of that, a lot of the meat of that, look back at the college uh, basketball weekend, and then also the latest AP Top 10. Maybe some college football notes or two. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, I'm David Smoke, Jack McKenzie running and directing the mothership right now, and Emery Winter 
is here as well doing his magic. So it's the Chiefs and 49ers. Here's a Patrick Mahomes note. Uh, he has now accomplished so much in his career that a two-time NFL MVP, two-time first-team All-Pro, he has now been a part of six consecutive AFC championship games. He's now a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's lost to the Tampa Bay Bucks with Brady in one of the others that he appeared in. He's about to be in his fourth. He's a two-time Super Bowl MVP, and he, of course, secured a $500 million contract, and he's now just 28 years old. Yeah, um, you know, I foolishly picked the Ravens and picked against Patrick Mahomes uh, this week, and I thought, look, there were a lot of things that happened in that game that thought, okay, well, some of this Chiefs team looks like they did during the regular season, but when you have Patrick Mahomes, when you have Travis Kelce catching 100 or hundred yards of passes, 11 receptions, and them just making plays when they needed to, they didn't need to score in the second half because their defense under C. Spagnuolo is so good. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll never doubt him again until somebody like, beats him two years in a row. He's just it's just amazing what they've done with a supporting cast on offense around him. That's, that's not, you know, up to, up to par based on their, their previous years. Yeah. I can't say that I'm surprised. I kind of said this Friday. Uh, I don't know why people were sitting there just so willing to doubt Patrick Mahomes because the receivers weren't that good in the regular season or because this or that reason or whatever, because Travis Kelsey's distracted by Taylor Swift or whatever reasons people were hoping or wish casting for the end of this Chiefs run, at least as far as this year goes. And I understand the Ravens were a very good team. They were the number one seed for a reason, but it's Patrick freaking Mahomes. I mean, receiving core, Kelsey, offensive line, all those guys mattered in that game. The defense mattered in a major way. But, yeah, I think just when you've got a team led by that guy, number 15, it's hard to go against them. And I know that I am never going to ever again. Um, and I just had that feeling on Friday of, man, there's certainly a lot of talk about Baltimore. But, man, Kansas City is still plenty dangerous. And uh, they were not only dangerous, they were dominant against uh, Baltimore for the most part. I mean, that was a very convincing win. And you knew that they were the best team when you went your separate ways. And so, uh, yeah, back in the Super Bowl once again, I know there's going to be some fatigue. There's also going to probably be some massive numbers because of the amount of star power that that franchise has so you'll get your haters but you'll also get your folks who are fired up to see uh, that team back in the Super Bowl and just amazing watching him at White House High School you knew he was a pretty special talent hearing about him growing up because um, everybody knew who his dad was having played in the majors and just seeing him around town and whatnot for years Um, the family growing up there you always heard about the kid and uh, the kiddos really uh, but mostly Patrick Jr. and that was the talk for years about just what an athlete he was and I don't know I'm young I don't really I mean sure he's a great athlete but I mean nobody nobody could have predicted what he's eventually become and and what he still has room to grow into and and become later on down the road so yeah he's he's so special and it's uh, amazing to watch that he's accomplished all these things already well speaking of that uh, last year you had two Big 12 quarterbacks against each other. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, he spent time at Oklahoma. Craig put this up after the game ended. Has a Super Bowl ever featured a matchup with both the quarterbacks, starters, and head coaches all from the same conference with Mahomes Tech, with Purdy, Iowa State, with Andy Reid from BYU, and also Shanahan from UT. 
And then on top of that, the Big 12 mentioned it's the second straight year the starting quarterbacks were a part of, at least a part of at one point. Uh, Mahomes, for all of his career at Texas Tech, and Hurts, of course, spent time after being at Alabama with Oklahoma. Yeah, but uh, this is a tale of two different, uh, you know, uh, career arcs when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, like, uh, Brock Purdy had a lot more success at Iowa State than Patrick Mahomes had at Texas Tech, um, you know, Real, I mean, look, he played for a Big 12 title for crying outside. He had team uh, success. Yeah, team success, yeah. yeah. But, like, individual success was all Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, they, he won more games, you know, as, as a quarterback than Mahomes did. That's why, again, it's it's so kind of weird. Here's the last pick in the draft. But, um, I mean, both of, like, the quarterbacks to me, I mean, yes, the supporting cast around Brock Purdy is fantastic. But Brock Purdy's second half yesterday and Patrick Mahomes' first half were the reasons those two two teams were are in the game. Yeah, Kansas City dictated the tempo. Okay, we're here. We're not going anywhere, which not a, should not have been a surprise. Mahomes made the big throws when they needed him to. And, uh, and then, of course, Purdy, I thought, with his scrambling ability and the ability to run in some key moments – and, of course, the Lions threw up on themselves a little bit, but that's kind of part of the game and why San Francisco had the chance to come back from being down 24-7. Yeah, Patrick didn't have to throw for 500 and be the hero. I mean, he just had to make a few plays here and there, and he's better at that than anybody, and the defense did a lot of the rest, and Kelsey did his thing, et cetera. Uh, Purdy you know, made some huge plays in that game when they, they really needed it, and uh, that was a nice comeback by San Francisco. But, yeah, that thought crossed my mind, and I just threw it out there. I haven't – Throwing a lot of tweets out there here recently, but that one just, uh, I wondered about that legitimately, whether that's ever happened before. That was an honest question. It wasn't even so much of like a go Big 12 thing, even though I think that's a very cool thing for the Big 12 for a few reasons. For one, it's probably never going to happen again. Uh, for one, Kyle Shanahan will never count under the Big 12 umbrella under again, so that's not possible. And it's not like there's a whole lot of ex Big 12 alum head coaches. I know Andy Reid didn't play there, but as far as the schools go, um, there's not a lot like. It's one thing when you look at the players around the league, and a lot of the stars come from a lot of the bigger schools, not always, but you look at the head coaching ranks, and a lot of the coaches come from the lower schools. It's not like a bunch of Alabama and Georgia and Texas and all that, guys. I mean, there are, like a Shanahan. um, But, yeah, it was just kind of interesting to go through that list and realize that that's probably not something that's likely to ever happen again is to have both your starting quarterbacks and both your head coaches from schools within the same conference. We know this combination will never happen again for the Big 12 because of Shanahan, like I said. But, yeah, I saw a lot of people jumping on the Purdy and Mahomes thing, much like last year with Hurts and Mahomes. And uh, that's that's valid. But then I started thinking of like, well, shoot, I know Texas doesn't want to claim they're part of the Big 12, but they are. Um, and they are this year. And, you know, BYU, obviously, we've got to remember that they're a part of the party as well. So, yeah, I thought that was cool that it actually extends a little further, not to mention other role players uh, like a Travis Kelsey from Cincinnati that are heavily involved in, in this game. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And like I said, I doubt we ever see something like that again. And I, I just don't know that that's uh, – that's something that you'll ever see very often at all. Kim Coulter, Super Chat, 999. The best player in the NFL is a Texas Tech Red Raider. Period. Yeah. Wreck him. He's right. You're right. He is uh, He's phenomenal. Six years as a starter, headed to the Super Bowl for the fourth time and trying to become the first team in 20 years to go back-to-back as Super Bowl champions. As many times as the Patriots won it, 
That was the time they won it back-to-back, and all the other times they just won it pretty consistently. So it's been a while, nearly, I guess it has been 20 years. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get the whole, like, this many SEC, we'll get the breakdown of the rosters and all that at some point. If not, that's already been put together. Of Like, the SEC's got 39 players in the game or whatever breakdown it might be. But uh, like I was just saying a second ago, I just think in general this might be uh, Fred Werner, you got to throw him into the mix as well from BYU, another big-time Big 12 player. So, I mean, there's plenty of, of love from all of the conferences there, but this particular matchup does have a pretty heavy dose of, uh, of some Big 12 flavor, and so that'll be cool for the conference to, to market and utilize for these next couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's a, it's a special pairing that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, what a career-changing, you know, intertwining of lives that became for Andy Reid and, and for Patrick Mahomes because if he gets drafted by anybody else, who the heck knows where he ends up? And with Andy Reid, we know he had great time in Philadelphia, but this has taken his career to an entirely different level. Well, you know, you, you got to think about Andy Reid. Like, I'm sure that there are some professional you know, disappointment within himself that he had Donovan McNabb at his peak when he was in Philadelphia. And, I mean... You know, I know that, like, people may look back at the end of Donovan McNabb's career and be like, oh, well, he wasn't. But, like, when Donovan McNabb was really great, he he was fantastic, especially that Super Bowl year they lost to the Patriots. He was having an unbelievable year uh, for them. And so he he only got to the Super Bowl once with Donovan McNabb. They got to the NFC title game a bunch of times. But he had this, like, he could never get over the hump. Uh, And then Patrick Mahomes was just the perfect dude to do this uh, with and and. Um, I like. I know that like people have varying opinions about Patrick Mahomes as far as his personality. If you like, it, you don't. But he has the right amount of bravado plus humility. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes like I didn't think the Kadarius Tony whining was a good look for him, but that's like the first time in his career where I was like, well, that's not a good look for you, you know. So if you're like 150 to one, again, that's just how how it is. But the the way that those two work together so well and just get each other. I mean, Randy Reed could coach forever. I mean, like, as long as Patrick yeah. Mahomes is A guy there. that was run out of – not – yeah, he was. It was just – but it was they, time. It was right? time. They, they, they had made their run, uh, and, and, and the run was out of gas. And, and so he goes to Kansas City and now has uh, just basically become an annual deal with Andy Reed, Patrick Mahomes, and also the Super Bowl. So the game is in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the two teams, you know what's in Vegas. There's a lot of uh, casinos, a lot of – uh, gentlemen's clubs, there's a lot of sports bars, there's a lot of lights and glitz and glamour, the game there. But uh, Arash Markazi put up this note, the Super Bowl will be played in Vegas, but the NFL wanting the teams to stay away from the Strip. Kansas City will stay at the Western Lake Las Vegas, and San Francisco will be located at the Hilton Lake Las Vegas. Lake Las Vegas is 25 miles off of the Strip. I, I I know it's Vegas and it's a little bit different because it it runs, but when they're in New Orleans, they don't stay off of Bourbon Street. They're no, they're right, right there. there. I mean, yeah, so, this isn't really I all mean, that. Like I mean, I don't know. Again, I get there's gambling. I guess that's different, but there's also gambling right there on Bourbon Street now. So I don't I don't know I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, I think it's just probably because of the fact it's Vegas. It just seems yeah. a little more like, who can't have them stay in Vegas? Yeah. yeah, and but really, that's kind of how it always works. I mean, they're randomly 
um, kind of position. Not, I mean, they're not randomly positioned, but every year you show up, you're like, wonder where they randomly put these teams because it's typically not like down the street from the convention center or right next to the stadium. It's like 15 miles out this way or 25 miles out this way. And so, yeah, that seems to be the uh, the same way here. But certainly there is that little extra bit about it being Las Vegas that you do probably have to really drive that home of, yeah, you don't want to get those distractions. I think that's the, the word that probably best sums it up, distractions. There's a lot of those in Las Vegas and a lot of craziness headed that city's way, but that city's built for it. So mm-hmm. um, just maybe a little bit extra than normal, but uh, that's going to be an, an interesting scene. And, yeah, for the players to – you hear about them – a lot of times during Super Bowl week, they get so focused on the game, but it's also worrying about what your family's doing and the family plans and how all that intertwines and, and everything. So you would write, you would like to have the players with as least distractions as possible. So, yeah, it makes that's sense. You're not going to have them at the, the Mandalay Bay posted up in front of the middle of everybody. That's yeah. why they have this week as a buffer week for yeah. everyone to worry about tickets and travel and who's going to be there and who gets this or what you can do. i got to get and, out of the way of the Pro Bowl, And too. it wasn't always the case. Yeah. That, they didn't want to go up against that. that. That wasn't always the case. It used to be an immediate turnaround, and sometimes I don't know what the, the, the trend was, whether those games were better than if you had a couple of different weeks off or not. Now, um, Dan Campbell has done a remarkable job. The belief that he's given Detroit, they had that game 17-0, 24-7, and there was a chance a couple of different times on fourth down, which he's gone for most of the year, but one of them, when it was 24-10, to 10, when he had a chance to kick a field goal that would have been about a 40-something-yard field goal, which in the NFL is no big deal, no matter if it's kind of an unproven kicker or not. He went for two. It should have been completed. Um, Reynolds looked like he probably should have caught that pass. Then later in the game, when it was 27-24, and a chance to tie the game would have been about a 48-yard field goal, they went for fourth down, and that, that had no chance because uh, obviously you got put in a, a immediate scramble mode, which is what Goff did, and the pass had no chance. Which of those two, or did you agree, and this is not me second-guessing him because this is who he's been, but I thought I even texted you, Paul, 24 to 10, go up by three scores. Yeah, um, I, 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 I thought that. I, I thought that all the decisions he made were right. I mean, you know, I, I can't – I think there were probably different things during the game that were – like, to me, a bigger mistake was running it there at the end of the game yeah, when they had yeah, saved – like, you yeah. saved your timeout so that you could at least, you know, if you didn't get the onside kick, which was would have been really exciting had they done it um, and got a, more close than, than most people do. But, yeah, I, I think those were the worst ones. Look, Josh Reynolds drops a pass, okay? That was in the middle of the game that it was still – it was still up for grabs then. When they went down two scores, that's when it started to get a little dicey. But I, I still, I don't. I, you got to be who you are, and who they are was, especially when they're on the road, they go for it. And part of the reason that Dan Campbell made it scary to play Detroit for the first time in forever was because you didn't know what he was going to do. I mean, you just you had no idea what he was going to do. He kind of had this Doc Holiday way about him, where it's like, well. You know, I, I don't really know what's going to happen here, but there you go. And so, yeah, it didn't work. And San Francisco was at home, and that, that's, you know, probably why they were able to to maybe be a little different during the game. But let's not take away anything from – I think the bigger issue was they couldn't stop Brock Purdy in the third quarter. I mean, he was so good yep. through that time. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, you have a three-score lead, so you you go for it a couple fourth downs. Well, maybe the defense could have played better and shut down Brock Purdy in that quarter better than they did. Yeah, how about Brock Purdy? I mean, uh, the Iowa State alum who, when you saw him drafted as Mr. Irrelevant, I mean, we all thought he had a pretty nice college career, but could never have guessed he'd be in the position he's in here just a couple years later. Never have guessed. No, yeah, I mean, no, yeah. not. I don't even think Matt Campbell, I don't care what he says, could have guessed that, you know, less than five years after he leaves that he's going to be sitting there starting in the Super Bowl opposite Patrick Mahomes. But uh, what a great story that's been. He's definitely taken some bullets. He's had his ups and downs throughout this year and doubters and things of that nature. And so he answered in a big way last night. And uh, I haven't seen, but did the Dan Campbell losing to Kyle Shanahan lead to a lot of like Texas Texas A and M trash talk. I, I, I didn't see. Yeah, it, no. I didn't see much of it. I saw one it. tweet. Okay, I saw one tweet that said, "I love Dan Campbell. I love everything he's done and what he represents and who he is, what he's done for the franchise." But today he coached like an Aggie. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know what? <laughs> I guess you you, you got an angle where I could see where you're coming from there, but. Um, unfortunately, a fellow Aggie and Josh Reynolds uh, did have some some uh, drops there that were costly, but I kind of look at it as, and I, I was wondering about the trash talk because I just didn't know how far out of that extended when we're talking really about you know where coaches went to school and whatnot, but those are two pretty prominent guys. But I kind of related to, I guess, most of the people that I saw directly after the game uh, when coming across a lot of the Dan Campbell slander, and it's like, well, if Josh Reynolds catches the ball, are yeah. we sitting here talking about this? Like, yep. if one thing goes differently, it's not as though the play calls were just completely insane and like, oh, my God, what are you doing? They dang near worked, and in some cases, had they worked, then we're not having this conversation. So I, I can see it from both angles of, yeah, you probably should take points in certain situations and should probably not be as aggressive, but that's also how you got there. That's exactly and right. And if you convert – just once or twice in some of those situations, then you're going to the Super Bowl probably. So I see where he was coming from with that, and it's easy to second-guess, and it's easy to Monday morning quarterback, and there's been a lot of that going on with Dan Campbell throughout the day, I'm sure. But uh, I look at it as, man, what a hell of a run for Detroit. Sad they couldn't get all the way to the the very end there because that would have been a very cool story to follow this week. But I did feel like going into this weekend, this was the best matchup, was Chiefs and 49ers. And I was a little bit worried about like Detroit versus Kansas City of like how competitive that would be. Now, the way Detroit started off that game, I'm like, well, shoot, that'll be a hell of a game. But then as it went on, I'm like, yeah, I think San Francisco's the better matchup. And sure enough, they were just able to, with their cast of all-stars, you know, make the plays there, especially in the second half, and and win that game and uh, do so running away. But, yeah, I mean, Campbell probably wants to have some things back. But, again, that's, that's how you got to this spot in the first place. So don't change who you are once you get into the biggest moment. All right, uh, we will have Ross Tucker. He was on the sidelines for Westwood One during the Baltimore-Kansas City game. He also has his annual uh, front uh, myfrontpage.com promotion for Valentine's Day coming around the corner for your loved ones. We'll have that from him, but we'll discuss a lot of the NFL. And then at just after 4 o'clock, we mentioned on Friday when we said that uh, Joe Gillespie would be the new head coach at Midway. He was introduced today, Midway High School. We do their games also former defensive coach at Tulsa and at TCU. He'll join us today a little bit after 4 o'clock. Plus, Matt Brown, Extra Points, will join us at 4.30 in Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. A couple of college football notes. This was one that looked like was headed towards UT. Jabbar Muhammad, his brother, plays at Texas. He made the commitment to Oregon. This was over the weekend. This was not like recent breaking news. 
but he is committed to play at Oregon, which right down the road from Washington, that's got a sting if you're a Huskies fan. But Jabbar Muhammad, he visited Texas, he visited Alabama, he's going to play at Oregon, and so a nice pickup for Dan Lanning and also the Ducks. Uh, look, sometimes you just don't want to be that close to your family. I get it. Uh but, uh, no, I think this is probably, I mean, look, it came down to Jabbar Muhammad. You're in your last year. You're down to three schools. Like, who's going to make you the best offer? Where do you feel the most comfortable? And if he feels the most comfortable, Oregon, uh, go knock it out. Another huge pickup for the Ducks. They've uh, absolutely crushed it in the, in the transfer portal. And getting Jabbar Muhammad to hop onto Dan Lanning's defense, huge deal. So, yeah, I, I thought, you know, for sure he was going to Texas because of his brother. But, you know, that's not always the deciding factor. Cousin is what it cousin, is, actually. Sorry. It's a cousin, uh, Malik Muhammad, who played for Texas this past season. So, yeah, there was that family tie there. Um, and you thought that maybe that could come into play. You thought that Texas uh, would be a, a favorite, of course, because of just the success they've had in the transfer portal and the run that they've been on. But, I mean, if there's another team that's able to go toe-to-toe and win some of these battles in NIL right now alongside a Texas that's not named Georgia or uh, still Alabama and, and maybe one or two others. I mean, Oregon's right in that mix right now, right? I mean, they're as hot as anybody or as busy as anybody in the transfer portal. So, um, yeah, you had that, that family tie there. Don't know how strong that was. I mean, cousins, you never know. I mean, he could be thick as thieves. You could could be, you know, distant and talk once a year, once every few years. I've had a little bit of both in, in my lifetime with my cousins. But, uh, yeah, Texas in need of some help in the secondary would have looked uh, really good with, with him having their jersey on on but uh, that's another great get for Oregon and Texas I'm sure has now moved on to their other targets and, and how they want to shore that up and of course there's plenty of time still even though a lot of top targets have been picked off not so much for this way but they're still going to be post-spring guys you know there's still some unforeseen things that probably happen between now and summertime where you know there's some guys that they can go out there and get but this was a big time portal guy still left out there and so Oregon gets a another big win and uh, what an offseason it's been for them and uh, Dan Lenny so far i don't know I, I you're not doing a portal top five today are you paul i am not okay because there's no question oregon texas georgia ohio state would be it, it have to be you would think among those five teams and iowa remember brian ferentz was basically out that statistically analytically all the things they had to match did not happen his dad kirk who's been incredibly successful at iowa uh, brian had the lead as the offensive coordinator it took him about two months to find his replacement Tim Lester, former Western Michigan coach and offensive coordinator, or now the offensive coordinator at Iowa. The response to this news that he was hired as the offensive coordinator at Iowa did not go over very well. If you look at his stats where he has been most recently, Western Michigan was like 121 out of 131 schools when it comes to a lot of offensive statistics. Uh it took two months. I wish him the best of luck. I hope it works out for him. I don't know that much about him, but Ro- Scott Dockerman had that story from over the weekend about the replacement of Brian Ferentz. You're just going to have to drag Kirk Ferentz kicking and screaming into the new era. you know. And look, he, he knows what kind of style he wants to play, and it's worked out for them. I am of the belief that with the schedule not being the same every year, that it has been for them the last decade or so that he is going to have to adjust his philosophy. But, look, he's worked out for him as much as it has, but I don't think that they're going to be able to go 10-2 and two anymore without, you know, 
knowing that, like, yeah, okay, we've got Minnesota and and Wisconsin, like all the same teams on the schedule, it's going to rotate so much through the other 17 teams that your consistency of being able to do that is going to be um, – it's going to wane. So I think that that's why he should have changed. But look, he's going to do what he wants to do. And if he wants Tim Lester, he's going to get Tim Lester. He was more recently an analyst for the Green Bay Packers. He was a head coach at Western Michigan for five years, 37 and 32 record, actually six years, one eight win season. But uh, it didn't seem like that went over. It was more like a, a bag of potatoes dropping into the ground and just a thud. Yeah, but I mean, is that really the feeling of most of the fan base or is that the loudest people on Twitter? Because they're not the same. Um, and I think that that's probably a lot of Twitter more so than it is just your average Iowa fan. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but, I mean, what was your expectations if you were upset with this hire? Cliff Kingsbury? I mean, what what direction did you think this was going to go? Some super electric, up-tempo, crazy offense? I mean, that was not really ever going to be the pivot because of that just affects everything else that you do and that you do well on the other side of the football, but... Hard to imagine that he can do much worse, right? I mean, hard to imagine uh, that it can be much worse than it has been these last few seasons. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what he's able to accomplish uh, there with Kirk Ferentz needing a big showing on that side of the football to complement the incredible defenses that he has year in and year out. But uh, to think that it's going to be some extreme makeover and suddenly you're going to be wheeling and dealing like he was the early you know, 2010's Big 12. I, I just never thought that that was all that realistic. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not a big name, so I can see where Iowa fans are coming from and not being all that excited, especially when you've waited so long for a big change like this to occur. You did want, like, a splash, I think. And so this is not splashy, but uh, maybe it'll be effective because that's all that really matters in the end. And tomorrow, if you are a fan of the Big 12 that's moving forward – you will finally get the football schedule. Everyone knows who they're playing, but tomorrow the actual schedule will be released. And the Big 12 popped that out a couple of different times. Thank you, Jack, for finding that. Tomorrow at about 11 o'clock, I think it's 10 or 11 o'clock tomorrow, Central Time, the Big 12 will release the weekend and week out. Everyone knows who you're playing at home and who you're playing on the road, but now you're going to know kind of do you have a couple of back-to-back road games? Do you have off weeks? Who are you going to play at home and when? Uh, there we go. And finally, tomorrow, we get our answer. Now we can start predicting the season, even though that's a ridiculous exercise this early. But now the fact that you've got um, the schedule in front of you and you know where guys are going to be playing and when and all of that stuff, you can start to go with the, well, they played three home games in the month of November. That's going to be rough. And uh, they play back-to-back home games here and there and all that exercise that we do in unpacking these schedules. We can start to do that and start to form – probably all too early opinions given that a lot of these rosters aren't finalized and are inevitably going to change again in the next few months to some degree, if not coaching staffs as well. But we've got a pretty good idea about what the Big 12 is looking like, and yet there's a lot of wild cards, including another four new teams for the second time in two years. So, yeah, I'm interested to see it. I don't love, honestly, the the lack of playing everybody on a regular basis. I know there is a formula in place to ensure that that doesn't turn into a situation like Texas A&M playing at Georgia where you're 10 years deep in a conference and you've still never made that trip. But at the same time, it was nice to see the round robin, but it is what it is. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see how that unpacks and how to start planning around next season and what road trips and things like that to look forward to. I, I, I don't like it, but I get it. It's part of a change, a part of a much bigger conference that allows the Big 12 to be impactful and, and also be a part of the mix among the power uh, four. Now, uh, 
five with a Pac-12 still has a year or two left with what Oregon State and Arizona uh, and Washington State do. Um, we will have, again, Ross Tucker around the corner. The Big 12 men's basketball. The top 25 was released. Top five include UConn, Purdue, North Carolina, Houston, and Tennessee. Then you have Wisconsin and Duke, KU, Marquette, and Kentucky among the top 10. The rest of the top 25 that includes teams that are about to be or are a part of the Big 12. Arizona, Iowa State, and Texas Tech, 11, 12, and 15. Baylor, 18. They're in a three-game slide more on that at some point today in the show. BYU and Oklahoma, 22 and 23. And TCU, who won that dramatic triple overtime game Saturday at the Foster Pavilion, is at number 25. The standings are basically Houston, or Texas Tech, Houston, Iowa State, and then just bloodshed with a lot of three and threes, three and fours. And, and I'm not trying to forget anybody, but it is like, it is exactly what we probably expected. And uh, what Houston did to Kansas State, Jerome Tang after the game said, I don't know if I've ever seen a better team defensively. And he came from one that won a national title. It was pretty incredible on defense. But there you are, eight teams ranked inside the AP Top 25 for the first time ever. Yeah, uh, there's. I mean, there's several teams that are really good that are in bad ways right now. You know, Baylor and Kansas are, are stuck in the mud. Baylor can't close anybody out. You know, they, they've had significant opportunities to do in these last three games. Um, they can go, like, it's a weird team because they can go shot for shot with the best of them. If that's what the game's going to be, all right. But when it comes down to being the last shot, they haven't been that for the last three games. Because no one appears as if they want, not that Jacoby didn't hit a huge Jacoby Walter that tied the game. It doesn't appear as if they know who's going or wants to take the shot, in my opinion. Yeah, and that, like they've kind of ebbed and flowed on defense a little bit. I think they're better than they were earlier in the year at that, uh, you know, at that side of it. But yeah, it's it's just it's kind of weird to watch them because you don't really know um, what to expect as games get late in it. They also Jack made this point when we were talking about it. They don't seem to know how to go on a run. No, like really go on a run yep. where they. You know, the, the best Baylor teams under Scott Drew, especially, I mean, comparing to the 2021 team. You can't. They just, you can't compare it. But, like, no. just the best teams knew how to go on a 12-0 run. This team doesn't really do that all, all that well. But they'll trade baskets with you, that's for sure. But they're they're not shutting you down to the point where it's, you know, a 15-0 run and they've, they've flipped the script. They don't know how to get the dagger, it seems like to me, at least right now. And, again, Scott Drew said, Craig, on Saturday after the game, Sometimes when you're young and you haven't been through the fire, sometimes you got to go through it where you get burned and learn from it. There's plenty of time left, but they are in a three-game slide. They are. Um, I think they still are incapable of being able to sweep the leg, like you guys said. I said the other day they need to watch Karate Kid and the whole sweep the leg part of that because that's what they're in dire need of being able to do. And, and there's other things as well, like Paul said, of, of not being able to – go on any effective runs and just uh i understand the whole youth part of this and the whole you got to get burned sometimes but man you got to get out of that fire here pretty quick man i mean you're dropping games and granted you can say well they've lost three games by a combined you know five points or you know whatever kind of things as this stretches out these close losses you can kind of say yeah well it was close or yeah it was at the buzzer yeah it was an overtime and that's fine but I mean, it's still three straight losses. No, like, it it's is. still Well, you led the game in great. the last yeah. minute or two leading up to the loss. Yeah, yeah, it's still three straight losses in conference play, and now you're sitting there and you're looking at a 500 mark and you screw around and you're going to be 
in the back half of the Big 12 and below 500. So, yeah, I get it. It's youth, and it's not being able to know how to do this, that, whatever. It's about getting burned a little bit so that you can come out on the other side of it. But you better hope that you come out on the other side of it pretty soon uh, because you're going to dig yourself a bit of a hole, and it doesn't matter – if you lose by one, two, three, four, five, or twenty, um, losses are losses. So yeah, I mean, two of those on the road, and Kansas State and Texas are good teams, and TCU is a good team. That was obviously an extras, but you got to close a game out here, fellas. I mean, this is ridiculous. You had a five-game win streak that is a saving grace from having five losses since back in mid-December. So they lost at Duke, Michigan State, yep. Kansas State, Texas, and now. The loss on Saturday to TCU. So they had that Michigan State Duke back to back and went on a five game run, and then now it's been three straight just brutal losses for them. So going to UCF here this week, we'll see if they can get a win on the road. But they desperately need one at this point because four straight losses. I mean, that's oh boy, that's getting ugly there. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's an interesting rankings because it makes me think of the SEC and football. And I'm not trying to say they're the same things because the Big 12 needs to win more national titles. And, and they have at least done some of that with Kansas and Baylor, Baylor yep. and Texas Tech played for one yep. three years ago. Uh, but uh, it is similar in that you have so many good teams that are also beating up on each other, that you're kind of in that thing with the top 25 now. If somebody drops out, that you have another team that's ready, waiting to jump in there. And so you have Oklahoma that's sort of sliding right now, but then you have a TCU that jumps into the back half of the top 25 this week. So um, you're not saying it's going to be like that all the way through, but it does speak to the depth of the league and the respect for the league that you're going to always seemingly have six to eight teams pretty regularly every week in that poll. Three teams are five and one, five and two, five and two. That's Tech, Iowa State. Houston. Houston, by the way, in Austin tonight against Texas, who went into Provo probably a little bit worn out after the trips they had to make after the game uh, in Oklahoma. Then they go to Provo and they lose. But listen to this. Nine nine of the teams are four and three, three and three or three and four. Nine of them. And it just depends on whether or not you're going to keep going above water or you're going to drop below it. Here's a note from Bill Self. Kansas, four and three start. This is from John Rothstein, covers college basketball. Kansas's four and three start in Big 12 play is the worst start to conference play the Jayhawks have had since Bill Self took over as the head coach. Now, he also made a comment after the game that he's not so sure, and I don't have, I'm, I'm not trying to misquote him, about a conference championship is not quite the same because not everybody plays everybody home and away. But four and three in TCU, I mean, Iowa State really good and beat them in Ames with a dagger three late in the game to put it away. Yeah, and um, yeah, they've got to get it right. They've got Houston coming in this weekend. They play Oklahoma State tomorrow night, which uh, they beat them really badly a, a week and a half ago. But, um, you know, they, they're just not playing well. Now they get to go back to the fog, which is always good news for them. Uh, and Bill Stuff has some kind of ridiculous stat about teams coming in ranked above Kansas at the fog. It's it's different, but uh, bottom line is they they've got to get right, um, and they just you know they're not um, they're not clean like Bill Self teams are normally. They're they're up and down and rocky, and you know part of that is just the teeth of the league. But you know everything kind of comes back to the middle. Uh, we'll see if they can get it right. If anybody can, it's them. But yeah, they've got to start. You know, playing like a Bill Self team. They're not right now. Paul able to sleep in the house still? Oh, or no, we... no, no. I got a story. <laughs> I've got a story. So, 
I did not realize what had happened. Paul texted me about going to the game Saturday, 3 o'clock tip, TCU Baylor. And, then, you know, there's a certain amount of parking, and I was going to go. And then he was going to go, and then he decided not to go. And then I realized I did not know at the time that Iowa State had beaten Kansas. I had not been completely bunkered in doing some work that I have projects to do before leaving for Vegas. Then I found out what happened. So then I go to the game and come to find out there is a uh, a Mrs. Catalina who wants Bill Self gone. <laughs> and <laughs> she's, she's done with him. And, and I'm like, how can you? So then Baylor loses in triple overtime. I started to leave early. I was going to go to the post game. I'm like, damn, it's three out, three, you know, it's been like, three overtimes, and I get a text from Amanda. Baylor lost. Suck it, Baylor. Everybody, and I was like. Yeah, that wasn't really. She went like. She's the kind of sports fan that in the moment of a loss, everyone is, it's like a mushroom cloud of. Yes, it was. It's bad. It was really bad. frightening. Yeah, no, she, no. She yeah. was not just during a loss when oh. they're down. Oh no, oh, when, when they're, they're down. down. Yeah. Oh yes, Jack yes. can speak to this because they were losing to Creighton in Fort Worth a yep. couple of years ago, and Jack and I were. Oh. Jack had just come and sat down next to me, and we were talking about the Baylor game that had just happened, where they had lost to North Carolina in overtime. In, in overtime, and so we're talking about that, and then just out of nowhere, Amanda whips her head around. And she goes, Jack. I'm going to need you to be quiet. I feared for my life. <laughs> okay, well, there we are with that. And so um, it's, uh, yeah. Well, get your act together, Bill Self, or you're having hey, angry woman on your doorstep. I, well, Paul's going to take Amanda and going to meet her brother, Rami, yeah. in Lawrence, Kansas this weekend. Going to maybe do a cut in or two on either Thursday or Friday with us. They're going to Allen Fieldhouse to watch Houston yeah. play Kansas and this could end it quickly. This could be it. This could be your last week. <laughs> Look, I'll I'll hopefully see you guys in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> that's what. All right. yeah. I, ha- I have one. Believe it or not, and I, I know we got a we're, we're behind on a break, but I have to bring this up because the University of Texas fan base has taken a lot of grief, a lot of negativity for what has become like this horns down thing. It all just depends on who you ask. Some fans don't give a damn. And some might be overly sensitive. But the bottom line, there's been a lot of finger pointing at Texas because of the horns down. And most everybody thinks they're, they're soft, uh, they're overly sensitive. And I, I, I tend to agree most fans, when they do that, are probably being that way. So Saturday they're playing BYU. And BYU had some kids, students behind the bench, horns down. There was a tweet by Mitch Harper that said, a little bit later on after they were like that, that they came back or they had they were asked to remove the shirts. And, of course, the immediate 99.999% of everybody, oh, my God, did Texas ask him to do Oh, my God, they're so ridiculous. It wasn't even Texas. This was BYU, and Mitch Harper got the quote from Mark Pope, BYU asked the students to remove their shirts, basically saying that we just don't, we don't do that. BYU, I guess it's fine. You made that choice, but like, don't. I mean, I, I wish they just would have done it. But just let it go. No one waited it's until the te- action. No one. I even texted uh, uh, Greg Rubel. This was not anything that UT or the Big Twelve demanded. This was BYU being nice, and that and is why they they had the shirts. And look, they're very nice people. But I do I do think that you know that the they need to do it just for the Longhorns' benefit because what's about to happen to them. 
in the SEC. I don't think they quite know that they're not going to be able to complain like they were before. There's not an SEC complaints department that really functions. It's, um, hey, we're mad that Ole Miss is doing this. Okay, we'll do it back. That's kind of the old school, like, well, you grew up with brothers. How many times did you, like, run in and say, like, so-and-so hit me? You're like, well, did you hit him back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. don't let him bully you. Yeah, but uh, that that story needed to be cleared up, which it was pretty soon after their game and win against Texas. Yeah, I, I don't care where it comes from. I'm tired of this even being a thing. I mean, it's just so stupid. It's just so stupid. It's a hand sign. It's a, you know, it's a taunt. I get that. You definitely don't want it to be something that crosses the line. Um, I guess in BYU's instance, they're looking at it as maybe violating their Code of conduct. Code of conduct, and okay, I, I guess that, that makes sense, but I'm glad that it was cleared up because that's not fair to Texas, whether you like them or not, for them to get the blame when it had nothing to do uh, with them, and especially when there have been times where, yeah, you could point and say that's a little bit of a soft reaction from that fan base, but um, it's at least do that when it's fair, and it wasn't fair to sit there and try to say that on Saturday when they weren't the ones that asked for that to happen, so I think it's good that that got cleared up and the, the blame or whatever was placed where it needed to be which was uh, at the feet of BYU who said yeah that we decided to do this because of our code of conduct and so that's all cleared up that's all good I think it's silly that the the horns down is even a thing Um, I think there is a line that you can cross if you're sitting there in a player's face and you're doing it in their face that's one thing but when you're just doing it because you win like UCF did in Austin I don't think that that's a big deal at all I think that's college sports and in most places that wouldn't matter at all so we'll see how that turns out in the future with the SEC Um, but yeah I think BYU eh, probably should have let that slide let the kids have their fun that wasn't that big of a deal and um, if anything it was just fans being passionate but I get it and uh, glad that that's all settled I want it to be noted that on January 29th at about 342 I defended the hookums I did I defended them because they were getting criticized when in this particular case it was not earned hey thanks to Katie Rader Retired stockbroker for Super Chats on Friday. I think I mentioned them individually, but if I didn't, thank you. And, of course, I mentioned with Kim Coulter, the one from earlier today, about the Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL, who played his college football at Texas Tech. Coming up next, he was on the sidelines doing the game for Westwood One. Ross Tucker on that, on the Super Bowl matchup, on a lot of the trends from yesterday's games. And also, myfrontpage.com, if you're looking for something unique for Valentine's Day, will give you one of those opportunities to, to maybe do something different for a change. This is 365 Sports. The ladies working ideal MRI at the front desk, the ones who get the appointments for you, the ones who make sure you're checked in, the ones that make sure you are comfortable with what you get when you get to their business, which is an MRI at a state-of-the-art technology MRI machine. The $497 or less, I've told you that. It has not changed. It's sometimes less. That's how much the MRI costs you at Ideal MRI. At the most, $497. The average is $1,100. And over and over and again, I'm getting more and more stories from Ideal MRI, from customers and patients there that they have had some who've walked in the door or contacted them because their insurance was not a part of the network, and so they weren't going to cover it. And it was going to be $2,200. Yet another story. Insurance is not a part of the network. They were still cheaper. Ideal MRI was $497, and they were going to have to pay $2,200. That's one-fifth 
of what the cost would have been. $497 rather than $2,200. So even if you're told your insurance is not going to handle an MRI if it's outside of a network, still call. Contact IdealMRI.com. Dr. Rob Maxey and his staff, they do a great job inside the Central Texas Marketplace off I-35 on the southern part of Waco. During the Start Something New sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco, get incredible deals on our entire inventory selection of new Ram trucks, Jeeps, SUVs, Chrysler sedans, or sporty Dodge. Shop in-store or online today and drive into 2024 with confidence and excitement. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Our good friend Brad Boozer, Boozer's Jewelers here at 365 Sports. Now, Brad, uh, people who watch uh, and listen to our show know I'm a double-time customer for you, engagement ring and wedding band, and you guys do that great, but that's not all you do at Boozer's Jewelers. Absolutely. And uh, I always like to say, you know, it's a new year. It's a great way to start the year out. Uh, Go through your old jewelry. Go through your wife's jewelry box. Go through anything you're maybe not wearing, something that's broken, something that you're not using. We do... a massive amount of custom work. We can take your old jewelry, old diamonds, old watches, and we can convert it into something special for you and make a one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry. Uh, and if that's not something you're interested in, uh, a great thing is we can turn that into cash. So we buy gold, we buy diamonds, we'll buy Rolex watches, any kind of heirloom jewelry, anything that's maybe passed down to you. Boozer's Jewelers, where do they find you, Brad? We're at 1025 North Valley Mills Drive, right on the corner of Lake Air Drive and Valley Mills with the big clock on the corner. Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. This 
365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. By the way, in the uh, next commercial break, you're going to hear a conversation that I recorded last night with TexasBeefHouse.com owner Aaron Duvall on their online and live auction they have just outside of Tyler tomorrow evening. And uh, you're going to know and learn more about beef and the process of beef and, and all of that, the ranch to the cattle, the feeding and all that. Very in-depth with him. We'll have that in the next commercial break. And then Joe Gillespie, former TCU uh, defensive coordinator, now the head coach midway on the southern part of Waco. He was announced, confirmed today, as the head coach. He'll join us then. So um, I saw this note. Taylor Swift, on the night before the Super Bowl, is going to be at a concert in Tokyo. 13-hour difference between those time zones, between Tokyo time and where we are right now. So right now in Tokyo, it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. And there were people tweeting about this, about how can she do the concert, how much of a time does she have to get back in time to be at the Vegas Super Bowl at Elysian Stadium? She has plenty of time. Apparently, because she's on the right side of the international date That's line. That's exactly right. So, because she's on the right side of the international date line, she can jump on um, the jet, which should have a, a cool name, but I'm sure it's just Taylor Swift jet. But the, she can jump on the jet, go to Vegas. Uh, she doesn't have another concert until the 16th, which is in another part of the world. So, um, she's got plenty of time to do it and uh, probably will. So... Um, if you were hoping you wouldn't see her at the Super Bowl because she'd be in Tokyo, I think she's going to be there. So there you go with that. And uh, we're waiting uh, Ross Tucker, the Rod Tuss, Rock, Ross Tucker podcast, to join us here momentarily. Uh, we're about – oh, we got it. Okay, Ross Tucker, Ross Tucker podcast, Westwood One, joins us now on 365 Sports with Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and I'm David Smoke. Ross, thank you very much for your time. So uh, you were there yesterday in Baltimore – uh, your thoughts about what what Kansas City got accomplished again and what the Ravens have to be so frustrated with ever since that game ended. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the Kansas City Chiefs have made a lot of teams frustrated <laughs> in recent years. You know, they guys, they really do remind me of like the Brady-Belichick Patriots where – it feels like every time they play, the other team is like, oh, that one play. Or it, but, but it didn't, you know? Like the Bills were like that. It's like when the Patriots, you know, Lee Evans, if he catches the ball, or Billy Cundiff makes the field goal or whatever, we're seeing that all over again now with what we're seeing with the Chiefs. I mean – you know, I was surprised, I guess, as much as anything, that the Chiefs were able to go out on the first two drives and have those two long touchdown drives. That was stunning, and that really set the tone for the entire game. It did, because I think that Todd Monk and the Ravens' offensive coordinator, after that happened, he was like, oh, boy, uh, we can't stop them. And I think Todd Monken got away from what the Ravens were all year. I mean, I think they had six carries by running backs in the game. And I know a lot of times this year they had the lead and whatever. 
And I know they were down by two scores and the Chiefs were possessing the ball a lot, but still it just felt to me like they really abandoned the run. I mean, I would have loved to have seen some more Gus Edwards and some more Lamar Jackson design runs. I mean, it's it's the championship. Yeah, Ross, um, I was going to ask you about that. And you see a lot of games. You, you've called a lot of games. What is it about that first drive that sometimes sends coaches into the, well, this isn't going to work. It was just the first drive. I mean, like, you know, go out and match them. The, the first three plays right after that were not very Ravens-like uh, in response to that touchdown drive. Right. And I would say, you know, in fairness, you know, you really don't know what the other guy's plan is before the game. And so the the first drive, you've come up with what you think their plan's going to be and how you're going to attack it. Or you have a bunch of different personnel groupings because you want to see what their plan is. What do they do when we have two tight ends? What do they do when we're an empty? Like, what's their matchup? And then you're talking, you're saying, okay, they're they're matching, they're bringing big guys in when we have big guys, or whatever it is that you think gives you the tactical advantage, and then you go from there. I am not sure. Now, they didn't have success running the ball in the first drive, the, the Ravens, but I'm not sure why they went away from it as quickly as they did. I, I, also, I, I really don't understand why on these third and ones, they're giving the ball to Justice Hill out of the gun. Like, what about Lamar? Or what about Gus Edwards? It, it was almost like in my head, it's like they outthought themselves. Like, well, they, they're probably expecting Lamar or Gus Edwards. So instead, let's give it to Justice Hill. Like, wait, what? No, 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 no. Give it to the, get, do what brought you here. And that's probably my frustration with the Ravens. It felt like they didn't, they didn't do what got them to this point. Ross, it used to be death taxes in the Patriots, and now it's becoming very quickly death taxes in the Chiefs every February in the Super Bowl. Uh, didn't do it with Patrick Mahomes throwing for a 1,000 yards in that game, but making big throws when he needed to. Kelsey, obviously huge, and the defense was fantastic. Uh, and it was just a couple months ago. People were ready to read them their last rights, which is a bit silly, but here they are again. And what's impressed you about how they've gotten back to this same spot? Um the path that they had to take and the fact that they're doing it a different way, you know, it's always been led by the offense and the defense was good enough this year. They've been led by the defense and Mahomes even said after the game, I've learned to manage the game more and, and let the defense win it, which I thought was stunning for him to say, right. That, you know, a guy that's off to maybe the best career we've ever seen to say something like that, it's really impressive. But, they, dude, this is a tough road. I was not envisioning the Chiefs going to Buffalo and to Baltimore and winning both of those games. That This is by far the toughest path they've had to take to get to the Super Bowl. It, it's super impressive. So, Ross, uh, when, when you look at Dan Campbell, what he's done at Detroit, which is amazing, uh, he had to make some decisions yesterday. Everything he's done, pretty much, he's touched. It's turned to gold. Uh, is that a second guess? Did he make the right decision? Was it both the decisions that were right or wrong? How did, how did you take it right uh, as a guy that has played the game? Well, first of all, the decision to run it on third and goal after the two-minute warning is an 
unacceptable, inexcusable error. Okay. Because if you have to burn a time out there, you basically have to kick an onside kick and you have to get it to win the game. That is not okay. That that really bothered me. I don't think we're talking enough about that. They still had a chance to win the game if they just throw the ball on third down. You cannot run it there. The field goal decisions are interesting. I'm actually going to write a column about that this week for the 33rd team. Encourage people to check out my social media at Ross Tucker NFL because I'll post it up there for you. But, you know, not all fourth downs are created equal. And what I mean by that is, you know, I want to know the process whereby they're making some of these decisions. You know what I mean? Like, is it just fourth and two at the 30? It's a 47-yard field goal. You know, your percentage chance of getting it is this. Your percentage chance of the kicker making it is this. Is it that? Is it just, hey, man, this is who we are. We're aggressive. We're going to go for it. Because the way I look at it is this, guys. Even if you convert on the first fourth down that they have, there's a pretty good percentage chance that you still kick a field goal on the drive anyway. It's just a closer field goal. So is it worth – and even if you get the touchdown – you're making it a three-score game. Well, guess what? The field goal makes it a three-score game. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it's like the difference between being up by 21 and 17 is not as significant as the difference between being up 17 and 14. You got to get to the 70. You got to get to that extra score. And they didn't do that. And then later in the game, when you could have tied the game, I thought the same thing. I, I really thought... This is not like you're down six and this cuts it to three or, you know, you're up three. Like, like I, I think, I don't think every one of these decisions should just, I think you really need to take into, uh, into account the context and the score of the game. And I wonder if all of their models do that. Ross, uh, Brock Purdy in the second half was flawless. It just uh, absolute gamer, you know, made some, you know, got away with some of the stuff that Brock Purdy can get away with sometimes. You know, he has those times, but um, he has well outplayed his draft stock, obviously. Uh, what do you think of, of the people who still are criticizing Brock Purdy after what he has been able to accomplish this season? It's unfortunate, but I'm not surprised. He's got two things going against him. Number one is, I heard somebody else say this, so I stole it from them, draftism. Mm -hmm. Draftism. And it's a very real thing. You take a guy in the top five, boy, they're going to, or top ten, they're going to get a lot of chances, and people are going to say, whoa, you know, I've seen this. This is ever since I played, guys. You could draft the guy in the first round. He could have nine bad plays, and then the tenth play is good, and the coaches will be like, Woo! Did you see that one? That's why he was a first-round pick. Did you see that? Meanwhile, you could have a guy like me, undrafted free agent, nine good plays, then one bad one. See, that's why he wasn't drafted. See what, you see that one right there? Like, that's how it works. It's insane. It's draftism. Zach Wilson's gotten 20 different chances with the Jets. He can't play. Brock Purdy, I mean, he's good. The other thing is, He's not social media worthy, meaning like 
Josh Allen has ridiculous plays and throws and runs, and Mahomes does, and Lamar Jackson runs all over the place. Brock Purdy, like, now he had some runs yesterday, actually, but throwing the ball on time to, you know, the receiver in rhythm, nobody says wow about that. And other, like, yeah, actually, go back to like, Tom Brady. Did Tom Brady ever wow? You're like, wow, a five-yard pass to Wes Welker. You know, even when he did have a nice pass, it was like, wow, did you see what Gronk did there? Did you yep. see Randy Moss? Like, Tom Brady didn't physically wow you. He beat you with his brain and accuracy, and that's Purdy. Ross, one more thing before we get to my frontpagestory.com is uh, I saw your tweet uh, oh, yeah, I know you. I know you. So you actually had interaction with uh, the the, guy, the the superstar and Taylor Swift? Yeah, I heard you guys talking about it when you were bringing me on. Yeah, I don't know if we ever talked about this, David, but she's from my hometown. Oh, I didn't know oh. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an hour west of Philly. It's probably not as big as Waco, but it's called uh, Redding, Pennsylvania, in, in particular, uh, Wyoming, Pennsylvania. And so, um, so I've actually talked to her a couple times before, um, 2007, 2015, before concerts she had, but it's been a while. And as the sideline reporter for Westwood one, you get to, uh, you get to interview that winning head coach and quarterback after they get the trophy. So I'm just standing there by the steps and she's right there. And I'm like, I got to say something to her, but she's not going to remember me. I didn't have a beard the last time I met her, you know? So I pull up a picture on my phone from her concert in May where with her dad. Her dad likes football, and I'm pretty good friends with him. Her dad was my daughter's. And I showed her the picture. I said, Taylor. I showed her the picture. She looks at it. I said, I'm Ross Tucker from Why Missing. I'm good friends with your dad. And so she looks at me. She goes, oh, Yeah. I know you. I know you. And uh, I missed a golden opportunity, fellas. I should have said right back to her, I know you. I know you. Yeah, Yeah, you put a selfie up there on the phone, then you get another 100 million people that follow you. Okay, Valentine's Day, this is always a special thing you you promote. Myfrontpagestory.com for a mother, a grandmother, for your wife, a girlfriend, uh, your thoughts about, yet again, myfrontpagestory.com. You know what? Now I think about it, I talked to Travis Kelsey before the game. I should have tried to convince him to get one of these for Taylor Swift. <laughs> that, that would have done much bigger numbers than anything else I'm doing to promote the business. Uh, my buddy started it. And, David, with your background, you'll appreciate it. And I know you know about it, but it's the best Valentine's Day gift I've ever heard of. Right? Like, what does everybody else do? Flowers or like a gift card? Or you take her out to dinner? All that stuff. Oh, by that, that reminds me, actually, I got to get some for my wife. Um, I can't do this because I'm part owner of the business. You guys can, though. You talk to a writer for 10 minutes or you fill out an email with like five questions. Tell them how great your significant other is. They write this incredible story about her. It's amazing. You and her on the cover picture, like kids. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper down there. And then here's the two things, key guys. Make sure when you give it to her, you say, oh, I want to do something special for you. So I had a story written about you. Like that just sounds amazing. So romantic. And then make sure you tell the writer, I just never thank her enough. 
for all the little things she does for me and the kids or the family or whatever, even if David, even if you can't think of one thing she does, just say that, just say that. Because I've seen seven videos now of them crying when they say, oh, he notices, he notices. Myfrontpagestory.com, myfrontpagestory.com. Then they'll have it hanging up in the house forever. It's amazing. Ross, great stuff. The Ross Tucker Podcast. Also, Westwood One with us. Uh, Valentine's, myfrontpagestory.com. Ross Tucker, thank you. Have a great rest of your week. And this is 365 Sports, my conversation with the owner of TexasBeefHouse.com about their online and live auction tomorrow. And then coming up, Joe Gillespie, the head football coach at Midway. The owner of TexasBeefHouse.com, the Duval family, Aaron Duval, joins me on 365 Sports. This auction part of your business, which started at the end of the year, and I think maybe even caught you off guard how popular it would be, despite the fact the product is so great, it has really turned into something that is extra special, and the aged Wagyu beef and what you're doing and and how people just love it. Well, thanks for having me, David. Uh, I tell you, it is surprising how our customers have really migrated toward this auction. And I think it's because really, at the end of the day, it's hard to put a price on some things, putting a price on a steak. Me and you may disagree on the price, but uh, if I let my customers decide, then there's no disagreement. And everybody feels like they're getting a real-time price that the market, the customer, is setting for the steaks and for the beef. And that really brought a lot of positive feedback in our circle. And uh, we think it's going to be probably something that's going to catch on in other areas of the country, on ranches. And because it, it, it does so many things that are positive at so many levels. One, it, like I said, it gives the customer, they get to buy how much meat they want, when they want it, and at the price they want. I think that answers a lot of the demand in the market for high-quality premium beef is have access to that beef. I believe this will be your third one. Did you ever expect this kind of reaction? We did not. And actually, I was probably, honestly, a pessimist at this. I I really didn't know just how auctions uh, would be attended. But actually, everyone's connectivity and being online, it's so easy. It's become easy access to the ranch. And it takes our customer straight to the ranch. The last person to touch their beef is the rancher. In today's market, the animals go from the rancher to the buyer to the feedlot, to the packer, then to a distributor, and then to a grocery store or restaurant. So there's so many steps that the beef goes through where different people handle it, feed it, treat it differently than what your rancher is going to treat it. We simplify the equation and take a lot of people out, a lot of middlemen out of the equation and allow the customer to get their beef straight from the ranch. You go to TexasBeefHouse.com and there's a link right there on the homepage. There's a, a graphic up. You can click on it. There's a PDF that's uh, several pages of what you want. People can get a side of beef here. They can get what they want, a large chunk of a tenderloin, or they can cut it the way they want to. Isn't that also something that's a, a little bit unique? We're trying to really figure out what our customers want. So we have as few as five or six steaks and a lot as many as the whole loin. That's just a whole piece of the ribeye or the whole piece of the New York strip or the filet. And you can buy it. It's, you know, you think it'd be a lot, but usually the filet is three pounds, five pounds, seven pounds, somewhere in there. It depends on the size of the animal and the loin for the uh, ribeye could be 20 pounds or 30 pounds. So we allow our customers to try to help us define what quantity of beef they want in these auctions. So it's we're still kind of searching for the right amount of beef to put in each lot, but there's going to be 80 lots. In this next sale, we're going to sell 11 animals that are nothing but the steak of these 11 steers. 
And so we think it's going to be a, a tremendous offering. It's some our best beef we've had. Our beef just keeps getting better and better because of our genetic pursuit for this quality animal that brings marbling and tenderness. That is the pursuit of Texas Beef House is premium quality beef. It focuses on tenderness and marbling. Well, I sent you a picture uh, Saturday night with the one that I was about to cook, and it was, of course, the marbling is phenomenal. The taste is incredible. And many of our viewers who have bought your product and even done it online or or in person, and and I think that's what also makes it special. You can be at your ranch just outside of Tyler in White House at Texas Beef House, the Duval Ranch, or you can go online and, as you said, pick and choose as you want, watch it, and and get it as you want. Aaron, why is farm-raised aged Wagyu beef so special? Number one is the quality. You just can't escape that when someone sits down to have a steak, they expect a good eating experience. And people will pay for that. And we're looking for the return customer that when they eat our steak, they want to come back and get another one. We really, really pride ourselves on having a a quality product. We take care of that animal from the birth of that calf to the harvest. We know everything that goes in them and everything that doesn't go in them. And there's no hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids. These cattle get only grass and grain. We age that beef so that the whole beef is aged. So when you buy hamburger, it's aged. Every cut of steak is aged. That just adds an extra level of quality to the beef. That's what we're pursuing is the best premium beef we can bring to the market. David, this is the best kept secret in Texas is Texas Beef House. And we're trying to get it out there. We really appreciate being partners with you guys, Sikkim 365. And, and we just hope that we're able to get the message out. We are here to stay and that we have a product that we really think is unique and different than any piece of beef you're going to get anywhere else. Wagyu and Angus Steak Auction, Tuesday, January 30th. That's this Tuesday. You can bid in person. It's on Farm Road 756 in Tyler at TexasBeefHouse.com. That's this Tuesday. Tuesday evening, they're going to also have food. And then you can get involved and get what you want at TexasBeefHouse.com. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by. Let's be friends. couple of notes, uh, by the way. Uh, hit the like and subscribe button if you don't mind. If you have, uh, that's great. We appreciate you in the chat room. If you watch or view what we do on 365 Sports, the like and subscribe button, or at least... Share it with somebody else. Let them know we do appreciate your time being a part of what we do. And on Friday, it is going to be show number 1,000 since we launched the new show on YouTube back in April of 2020. We're now joined by the new football coach at Midway High School. Joe Gillespie joins us. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, and David Smoke on 365 Sports. Uh, So you had a chance to get... A look at some of the players of your future. You've met people. Everyone was there for the press conference. It was a great crowd. What has your day been like, and are you going to get this, uh, get some really good sleep tonight? <laughs> well, number one, guys, thank you for having me on. And I can't tell you how excited me and my family are to get here. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is my wife and I are about to become empty nesters. So we're not really – everything's going to be brand new for us. And, and uh, so this is – this is going to be a blast. We can't be more blessed. And, and man, what a wonderful school district program and, and a story program with a lot of, a lot of tra- tradition. And, and so we're extremely excited, but, uh, Hey, it's been a, it's been a wild day. The fortunate thing is I got to see all the kids. I got to meet, you know, all the kids. There's, 
I've had a ton of names out there and, and a bunch of kids that have been anxious to sit there and get eyes on and introduce myself to them. And, uh, and it's been something that I've been praying for, you know, me and my family and just lead us in the right direction, take us where we can go and pour into to young people. And, and, uh, you know, the good Lord's always blessed us and, and gave us this opportunity here. So very grateful. You had a great run at Stephenville, assistant coach and head coach Tulsa, then TCU. Not so much the reaction of what others have said to you around the district, or even when I saw you today, what have other coaches around the state of Texas sent you or said to you about this job at Midway? Well, I think, number one, uh, you know, from a personal standpoint, they, they've been very uh, gracious and, and just, you know, pretty much welcome back to your roots and, and getting back to where where it all started for us and, and really where we poured, you know, 21 of my 30 years of experience into Texas high school uh, football and education and, and all sorts of boys and girls sports and, and everything. And so, um, and then, you know, the other one is obviously from a program standpoint, just like I said a while ago, Midway is a, is a story program, but rich in tradition, rich in success, rich with great kids, great support, unbelievable com- community, great facilities. Um, it, you know, in our book, this was a no-brainer. And, and I thought that this was one of the top top jobs in, in the state of Texas when I was at Stephenville. And I thought, you know, obviously there's some programs out there that are that are great, great places. And I, and I always thought, you know, outside of where I was, and I, I'm always 10 toes down wherever I'm at and doing what I'm doing. But uh, I always thought that, hey, there's a there's a leap few places uh, um, that that are out there in the state of Texas and, and Waco Midway being one of them that uh, really has the the perfect um, concoction uh, all, all the the potion and everything to to make for year to year year after year great program and have have the opportunity for a lot of success. Coach, um, a lot of people will wonder, you know, why the shift back to high school from from the college ranks was this. Obviously, you know, being a high school coach is is, is a calling, um, maybe a little bit different than, than coaching at other levels. What was it that that called you back to high school? Well, I think number one, there was never, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, I've coached at both levels, and there's never been a bad day. There really hasn't, and. You know, just being around young people and getting to pour into them. Football is football. I don't care what arena that you're in or what level that you're at. It's still football. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, my pops was a, was a football coach and, and at the college level. And, um, I, I knew for a long time that I wanted to be, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I just saw the, you know, what type of duty was and the impact that he had on people and, you know, beyond football. And uh, but but still being extremely competitive, and so I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then you know, fortunately, I had some great great coaches when I went through junior high and high school, and I just I knew then that's what I wanted to do, and I wanted to go for myself into that. I really had no desires. I had some opportunities very very early in my career, and then uh, oh, a few years later, I had some other opportunities to to go collegiately. And uh, I didn't want to do it. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I at the time were starting to have kids. I didn't want to bounce kids all over the place and things of that nature. And when the opportunity came in January of 15, Philip Montgomery had just gotten a uh, head coaching job at the University of Tulsa. Of course, Philip and I had coached together at Stephenville in the mid latter part of the 90s and both the same age and, you know, going through the same stuff, having kids and 
and all that business. I just knew the man that I was going to get to coach with. And I just thought if I ever if I ever wanted to do this, and our oldest was graduating from high school at the time. Our daughter was a junior in high school, which made it a little bit tough. And then our youngest was in the third grade at the time. I just said, if I'm ever going to do this, this might be the best opportunity. So I did <laughs> with the thought process of, hey, if this doesn't work out for me, I'm not going to bounce I'm not going to bounce my youngest son all over the place, but I, I want to I want to go see if I can do this. And it was a new challenge, and I wanted to see if we, I could do this and and uh, have some success at it. Uh, Philip was unbelievable to me, and uh, loved my seven years there with him and, and with that university. And and then it just you know it started to grow. I became the coordinator there. We had some success, and then got the opportunity at TCU, but. When this came, it, it was just too good for us. And and uh, I always knew, I always told my wife, I will not finish at the college level. I'll, I'll finish at the high school in, uh, in Texas because that's that's where we have the most impact on young people. And so um, I couldn't have drawn it up any better. I don't know why the good Lord keeps blessing us, but he does. And I'm very grateful, thankful for it. Coach, you explained your your thoughts uh, very well there, uh, and your passion for high school football is evident. I do have to ask you, though, because you have recently experienced it. We see so many coaches talking about this grind at the college level, and it's never-ending, and the portal, and NIL, and all those different things. Having a first row, uh, front-row seat for that the last few years, how much of a grind and a wear and tear has that become? It has. I mean, it's knowing – and this profession is a grind and wear and tear. I don't care what level it is. And it depends on what, how much you're going to pour into it, you know. And uh, I just think for, for me, for me, some of the purity of the game was leaving itself. And, and, uh, and I was missing the, the, the pureness of it all. And uh, uh, it, was, it was pure when I got to it. And then, you know, for some reason, it's, it's changing some courses and stuff like that. Um, it's not for everybody, and uh, you know we did it and, and had a. Um, I don't want to ever say anything bad about it because the experience was phenomenal, and uh, uh, but it, it is it, it's something it's it's twenty five hours a day, eight days a week, three hundred seventy days a year. You know, Joe, I was there when you were introduced, and I have also have spoken with you before, back when you even mentioned Stephenville and Midway used to be in the same district, and then that 2011 game uh, where they went on to play for a state title against Baker Mayfield in that battering ram yes, of sir. Lake Travis. Um, they have been through a difficult stretch, uh, COVID, and then 21 and 22. They're part of the district that they were in with D- Duncanville, DeSoto, realignment coming up Thursday. But you you saw what they did last year. You kind of have a history of what they went through and how they survived with Ezra Martinez and Chad President. What did you learn about the football team and down deep inside their soul? Well, I think, you know, obviously Ezra and, and Coach President, Coach Martinez, and, and the rest of the staff did an unbelievable job of, of you know, having to take over at midseason and have been to a grind somewhat and for whatever reason, don't care, but for whatever reason, we're struggling a little bit. And and, uh, and then to do what they did and to turn things around, man, it says uh, it says a lot about those coaches. It says an unbelievable amount about the kids and, and what you have here. And so that's why I say the tradition is still very rich and it's still very um, – very hot and, and, and alive and well. We just got to get it running at a consistent pace and, and then uh, don't make it, having these kids continue to uh, 
believe above and beyond. And, and so this is, this is a great place for it, but you know, what they were able to do, I think it, it obviously it sits there and it shows you the amount of grit and determination and uh, togetherness, brotherhood, belief, respect. Uh, it, obviously it shows guys like Mr. Martinez and how much those guys respect the heck out of him and, and what, and obviously he's doing this for the right reasons because, you know, they respect him and uh, kids played hard for play hard for him and uh, look forward to getting to do this with him on uh, being on the staff with him. Uh, Coach Clayton was also a part of it, the defensive coordinator, but you brought in your own and also there's yes. also somebody else you're going to bring in on staff. That's part of the transition. So uh, Coach Screech, is that right? Is coming to be your defensive coordinator? If you already yes, sir, added yes. a couple of guys, yes, sir. So Coach Creech is, is currently here right now, immediate, immediately with us. Obviously, we're going to have to go out and, and get us an offensive coordinator. We've got several guys in, in mind and in wisdom with really kind of keeping everything on the down low until everything just kind of uh, was actually valid and legit, you know, after today. And so we're going to have to get a obviously an offensive coordinator in here and want to get them in here as soon as possible. And then, you know, anytime there's a few guys that are going to go and, and uh, apparently they're going to go with Chad uh, to Temple and stuff. So it's, it's going to create some movement. It's going to create some shuffling around a little bit. And, and, uh, but it's also going to give us some opportunities to get some people in here that, um, that obviously that I know as well. Do you know uh, what kind of offensive system do you want to run yet? Or do you, do you need to know about the talent you have first? Well, I know the offensive system that I want to sit there and run, and it's going to be very favorable to what I've always been around. And and I mean, you got to remember, I was I was at uh, Steamville for twenty years, so you can only imagine what we did there. And and then I was in a very similar very similar system when I went to the University of Tulsa, and and then I was obviously in a very similar system when I went to TCU. And so it's going to be something uh, obviously up those those roads. And, and so we want to be very fast, and we want to be a tempo type team and stuff. But you also got to learn your team too. And, you know, the, the thing with high school uh, that's different from college is in college you're recruiting and in high school you're inheriting. So if you're a good coach, you have to adapt to what you have from year to year. And so if that means that we got to tweak things from time to time, then we'll tweak them. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a, the next few, next couple months and stuff like that is, is going to be huge for us. Obviously, this Thursday is going to be a very big deal for us. And, uh, you know, just want to get to, direction on where we're going what we're doing and uh it'll tell some things as well coach uh just looking at some current events as you well know michigan won the national championship just a couple weeks ago and now harbaugh's off to the nfl but you were a part of a team that knocked off those wolverines just a year ago in the semifinals of the playoff did you get a sense then that what they went and accomplished a year later was was coming down the pipeline and just your thoughts having seen that program up close and personal that a year later they were back and, and winning the title well, and just knowing everybody that they had coming back, you know, from the running back core to the quarterback and what they had up front and then on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, it was a heck of a game between us and Michigan and the Fiesta Bowl in 22. And, and uh, uh, so, you know, you knew that they were always going to be in contention. And, you know, again, that's a tradition-rich place that's always going to have a, a lot of five, four- and five-star players. And, uh, and then Coach Harbaugh, and his staff just did a, an amazing job. And then, 
Cherie and those guys that, you know, getting to take over now. He's an unbelievable coach, unbelievable dude, and, and um, I feel quite certain he's going to take them right back to it again. Uh, Joe, I have one more question about Midway, but first on the Big 12. They're about to add four new schools. The, sc- the schedule's coming out tomorrow. You've been right there in the middle of it. Uh, how, even with Texas and Oklahoma, a couple of alpha dogs and logos, they're leaving. And we saw what Texas did this year to the semifinals. How competitive, how deep actually is the conference? And is it sometimes underrated because of if, in fact, when Texas and Oklahoma leave? Well, I think, you know, with, with what we were able to do there at TCU, you know, in year one that we were there in 22 and then, uh, and then what Texas was able to do. And then you just start talk, talking about that and Cincinnati's coming into the, uh, to the Big 12. You got UCF who, who has claimed, you know, national championships and stuff before in the past. And, and so you bring that in and, and then you get to do and see, you know, what Oklahoma State has been able to do, K State, what they've been able to do. I think this, this late, that league, the Big 12, is, is certainly one of the toughest ones. Is. And with, uh, and with OU and UT leaving, I think it's bringing in a little bit more equity across the board, not necessarily from a play on the field standpoint, but from a recruiting standpoint. Last thing, uh, it is UL realignment on Thursday. Everyone knows what class they're in. That's changed over the last several years, but you don't know the district. Do you have any idea, and do you feel like it still might remain this midsection of the central Texas area with Temple and, and other schools, Copper's Cove, a couple of Colleen schools? What do, what do you have any idea? I know we, no one does. It's like it's the most kept secret in all of high school football or even in the country. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, they, uh, our government needs to sit there and, and uh, <laughs> mock what they're doing. <laughs> yep, I agree. I, I agree. And... Uh, uh, I really have no idea. I mean, I really don't. And, and you know, I always, always felt like I was talking to people that, uh, you know, when I was at Stephenville, that they made me feel like I was getting the inside scoop. And, that, man, every single time realignment came out, it was just far to the other side of, yeah. of something that I couldn't even dream of. And of what I've been told. And so I'm just kind of, I remember again, I just finally kind of started going, you know, I'm going to wait for that day to come. When that day comes, we, we're going to be prepared to be in a 18 district, 16 district. We're going to be pre- prepared, you know, for, for whatever it is. And to, if it's going to be an 18 district, then I got to have three non-district games. If it's going to be this, then I'm going to have to have four or five, you know, and, and just really prep that way. So, Honestly, I think this thing could go a lot of ways. I've been in that experience because when I was at Stephenville, I mean, we we had gone to the Metroplex. We came down to the Syntax. I mean, shucks, we were in there with Waco High, Waco U, Waco Midway, Colleen, and then San Angelo Lakeview, you know, Brownwood. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, the next year we're going Mansfield, Mansfield Legacy, Mansfield Timberview, Arlington, Sakeen, you know, all of that business. And, and then the next year we go after Big Spring and, and stuff like that, and so um, or the next realignment. So I mean, it just kind of had us all over the place. I, I think there's, you know, with the classification and where where Midway is and and uh, stuff. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, to, I say a lot of opportunities, a lot of different directions that that you could possibly go. Obviously, I've got my ones that make sense. I don't want to say them out loud because every time I say them out loud, it goes directly opposite of that. Joe, I know it's been a busy few days. Uh, congratulations on the opportunity. We look forward to working with you and uh, can't wait to talk to you again. We'll get you in studio for us to sit down and do a, an even more of an in-depth interview 
for people to watch and see. Thanks for your time today. Likewise, my friend. I can't wait to do that. Thank you. Go Panthers. Joe Gillespie, the head coach at Midway. Uh, Long-time assistant coach at Stephenville on those uh, last two of the four state titles they won. I think it was in the late 1990s. 98-99, 98-99, then he took over, won one in 2000, I think, in 12, and then, of course, took the job at Tulsa when Philip Montgomery moved to Tulsa and then was at TCU the last couple of years. He was gone after last year, but he was the defensive coordinator on that team that was awfully nasty on defense, went to the semifinals and then beat Michigan and then lost in the championship game to Georgia. The win over Michigan that nobody seems to want to bring up when they start talking about the <laughs> the playoff and the you – know, the state of TCU's uh, run. It's just like, oh, the Georgia blowout, the Georgia blowout, the Georgia blowout, and they just skip over that semifinal game. But, uh, nope, yep, they went out there and beat the team that went back and ran it and uh, and won it, you know, straight up the following year. So that's why I wanted to ask him about that because that was pretty the, much the same team. That's the defensive coordinator is the last time that Michigan lost a game. Exactly right. Go. I mean, so. I should have phrased it that way now that yeah, I think about it. I mean, it, he's but, the, the last time Michigan lost a game, he was the guy that, uh, that called that defense. Yep. So. You know, that like that alone should get Midway fans fired up is the last dude, one of the guys, the last dudes to beat Jim Harbaugh sitting right there. That's a, yeah, it's a nice uh, – if you were on the recruiting trail, that would be a nice pitch <laughs> to use. But, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good thing to, to use to promote, sure. Jim, Jim Harbaugh's probably – I mean, you can never say never. Who knows if, you know, seven years from now he's won two Super Bowls. Like, you know what, I'm going to go back and yeah. I'm going to try to win one at some random place because I'm crazy old Jim Harbaugh, but uh, – that might be Jim Harbaugh's last college loss was mm-hmm. to TCU. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah ever. ever, ever. I say odds favor that probably yeah. being the case. Yeah, at this yeah. point with his age and his desire clearly to win a Super Bowl, um, that's probably going to be the case, yeah, barring some shocking comeback. Matt Brown from Extra Point is next, and this is 365 Sports. Petty Clinic, LowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man that you want to be, need to be, and used to be. As you get older, father time, nothing you can do about that. Sometimes it's just going to happen. Your testosterone level starts to drop, and it can affect you in many ways. From even your sleep habits to your energy, you just don't feel locked in like you have before. Your focus is not there. It could be your testosterone and then also your sex drive. As you get into your mid-30s, into the 40s, and even older, it can happen. One out of every three to four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone, and so how do you fix it if that's the case? Dr. Kent Petty and his staff will help you out. Go to their website, pettycliniclowt.com. Tell them I sent you. They will set you up to get your blood work. They take care of that. Dr. Petty gets the blood results. And if your testosterone level is too low, he can put you in a program to help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, used to be. PettyClinicLowT.com. Cars price right. Cars price right. know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different. 
than any other dentist office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student-athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Matt Brown, in the middle of it when it comes to many things in college athletics, but outside of that, including video game with EA Sports, college football, etc., he joins us on 365 Sports. Matt, I, I hope you don't mind if I... You told me last week, we couldn't do it last week at the end of the week because you were about to meet with some people. You had put your site up for someone to look at, grab, and also keep your content. Is everything good with that? Everything is good, my friends. I've, uh, I was I spent the weekend doing some traveling to finalize the sale. Um, I, I think I can tell everybody here that I am being acquired by an extremely ambitious and uh, aggressive new college sports startup. I'll be able to share the name of that company on Wednesday. Um, I don't know if to all the names will be f- uh, familiar to folks in this market. If you're in the Midwest, you might be. But by this summer, uh, if you love college football, I, I-, I feel very confident you're going you're gonna to know my new coworkers, and I'm very excited about this new venture. It sounds like what they do is what you've already done, so it sounds like it's going to be a great match. We're proud of you and glad it all worked out. 
Thank, thank you very much. It's, it's a real blessing to be able to, to have some options. And the, the most important thing here is for anybody that enjoys the kind of work that I do, it's not going to change. The newsletter is still there. It's still going to be sent out. It's still covering the same stuff. I'm just going to have some more help doing more of the back end work. Matt, um, everybody, I think the thing you've written about the most over the last couple of years that people want to know about is EA Sports college football coming back. Um, what uh, we I know that there was a, a a leak last week of a possible date, but that's not uh, written in stone yet. What is new on the on the game? Yeah, the, I, if I if I can calm any skeptics, because I, I get liter- tweets and DMs about this literally every day. The game is coming out this year. The plan is for the game to come out in July. There was you know a, another individual leaked uh, a, a specific date, and that date may very well be correct. You know, I talked to multiple people at EA, and on and off the record, they said, "Hey, that date didn't come from us." We can't confirm it. And, and the reason that EA is so hesitant to say, yeah, it's July 12th or it's July 18th is the specific date has, has nothing really little to do with the development of the actual game. Like th- then that becomes a question about like, can the trucks get to this date on time about the factory from pressing the physical CDs? And, and is, is this the exact day we want to, we want to open relative to anything else that might be coming out. So like, don't freak out that you haven't heard that, uh, that exact date, this July is the target. Um, people inside the company have told me that development is on schedule. They're really excited about it. Uh, and you should be hearing more, not just from me, but directly from the company um, in, in the coming weeks. The, as, as the game moves into kind of code lock and they're finishing QA and doing, finishing the fine tuning and polishing, that's when you'll hear more from the company rather than, than uh, nosy reporters like me who uh, – been blanketing schools with open records requests to understand uh, what's going on with the game. Matt, where does the video game interest rank on the amount of feedback you've gotten for various stories over the years? Oh my gosh, this is this is number one with the bullet, right? <laughs> like n- num- number two has been a lot of these realignment stories, and if you're the guy that figures out which teams join in the WAC or joining, you know, le- leaving the the CAA or joining Conference USA, obviously those people are very excited about it. Um, a-, a lot of the the more hardcore industry things have gotten me a lot of feedback within the industry. You know, like I wrote a column today and had a couple of big time ADs send me some notes and, and kind of talk about it. But from the general public, more than anything else I've done in my 12 year career, it's overwhelmingly the video game. And that's, and that's not a complaint. It's just, uh, it's just funny because I'm not a video games reporter and this whole beat, this whole component of what I do kind of happened via serendipity and and now it's a, a big focus of my publication and i'm glad that it happened matt um in the other business of college football the there's more meetings about the next phase and all of that you know of, of breaking off and changing things and uh, making it kind of the you know let's just call the haves and the have-nots and and yeah. move the halves into something else. How long do you think these meetings will take before we see at least a real plan that they would kick out to, you know, a rough draft, so to speak? On a, a rough draft that we could see and that, you know, had some real, you know, movement behind it, I think is over a year away. And, and part of the challenge in all of this uh, is that nobody's in charge, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's both a blessing, uh, like a real feature and a massive bug in college football 
is that a lot of the people that like on paper have the most structural authority about how this sport is run are university presidents who are not very engaged in college athletics at all. Many of whom like literally don't care about it. And then you have commissioners and you have athletic directors who have their own individual constituencies and fiefdoms. And then you have broadcast executives who have, who care about some things and don't care about other things. And all of this is to say, it just takes a long time to grow consensus. You know, part of the reason that all of this hasn't happened already uh, beyond the fact that, you know, you have school leaders that, that maybe don't want to sever even more historic rivalries or they haven't figured out a, a great solution for their other sports packages. It, it's, it's also, there's, it's not clear who's going to finance that because staying in the NCAA right now, even with all of the losses and all of the frustration with Indianapolis still presents a very compelling legal shield. And, you know, we, we heard this from, from multiple, you know, P5 ADs, when there were a bunch of lead one meetings last year about hey, really even pushing FBS to move uh, completely outside the auspices of, of, of you know, the, the current governance structure and move to something totally different. And they realized, oh my gosh, now we're going to be liable for our own insurance. We're going to be liable for, for more direct lawsuits. And that's going to increase our operating costs by 10 million plus a year. Maybe it's better to stick the rest of the NCAA, uh, uh, stick the rest of the NCAA with that. Make Long Beach help pay for those things. So eventually the math is going to work out the other way and Alabama and Ohio state and Texas and Michigan are going to go do something else. But I don't think that's tomorrow. And I don't think it's next month. So uh, when you look at where we are, the umbrella of college athletics, the presidents, the ADs, the coaches, the players, the student athletes, now you have NIL and agents and all this other stuff. Is it sustainable where we are right now? No, I, I think on, on a lot of different levels. And I, I actually have some like real reporting on the NIL component about that this week, you know, tracking hard and fast numbers of uh, what collectives are reporting to the IRS, because since many of them are, are registered as 501c3s for some, for some reason. And, and even now, what we constantly hear from collective managers is that there's donor fatigue and that you know, entities are trying to figure out how to shift their fundraising burden from eight rich guys to 8,000 people or, or 10,000 people paying 20 bucks. Um, and you're already seeing people rebel against that, right? Because it's not like the season tickets to Baylor are cheap. They're going to go to a football game and pay $4 for a bottle of water and $5 for a hot dog and 40 bucks to park uh, and all these other, and then whatever you got to donate for your personal license. And then at the end of the day, be told, listen, if you don't personally give us 500 bucks, um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to lose to Sam Houston state. People, people are going to resent that. It's, it's, it, you know, they don't want your athletics communication sounding like it's coming from a political pack, you know, uh, and, and that kind of relentless emotional manipulation. You also have that world in the face of multiple massive lawsuits, lawsuits that could, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating for a goof, but like literally bankrupt the NCAA. Um, to, to, to say nothing of forcing enormous changes from everybody else. So like, if, if there's one thing that I think virtually every stakeholder would agree on, what we're doing now doesn't make sense, and we can't keep doing it forever. There's going to have to be a radical change one way or another. Um, uh, you know, Congress is part of that equation. Private equity could be a part of that conversation. I'm not saying that's a good thing, just saying that's a thing that's happening. A lot of other academics – what we have in 2026, 2027 is not going to look like what we have now. Matt, uh, you just mentioned private equity there. There was a bit of a, like, kind of 
uh, it was funny. I saw a lot of people commenting on Twitter, but uh, when the story was tweeted out about like, could private equity kind of change college sports? Um, you know, all those aren't created equal. You can ask Silicon Valley, like for every Google, there's a million people that were the exact opposite of Google. Uh, For people who are kind of confused at how private equity would work, um, the pros and cons of adding it to, to the, to the landscape of college sports. Yeah. So there's a variety of the, of institutional investors that could potentially step in and offer a massive amount of liquidity to college athletics. If you're, you know, to use to use a school like Baylor or Texas Tech here as an example, you might be able to get some outside investor who could pump in a hundred million plus, which would allow you to make payroll and allow you to kind of transition to a more professionalized model without necessarily having to lay a gajillion people off uh, or you know liquidate your stadium or some of these other things. Um, they could do that at a, at a scale that a bank can't do, or, or maybe some other investors can't do. But these kind of companies don't come in and drop a hundred, four hundred, six hundred million dollars out of the goodness of their hearts. And unlike the bank, right? When I when I sign my mortgage with Chase Bank, they understand that they're not going to get their all of their money probably for thirty years, and and they have to be content making a relatively modest profit <clears throat> over a period of time. And when somebody like BlackRock or the Saudi Investment Fund. Um, or some gigantic institutional investor comes in, they're not holding an asset for 60 years hoping to make 6%. They want it to, to 10x or 20x or 50x and get out. Um, and what that happens is if it's a Google or uh, a, a unicorn or some companies, it blows up and everybody gets rich. But what can also happen is you know the private equity comes in and skeletalizes the model because they recognize that the only way for them to get their money back on their investment is to strip things for parts, and then everything gets much worse. Um, the, uh, the obvious example in our world is the newspaper industry, which has been obliterated by vulture private equity firms over the last 10 years. We've seen this happen in the residential housing market. We've seen this happen in some other places. And so one of the concerns, we talked about this with Florida State, one of the concerns might be is, you know, one of these entities comes in here and they look at the balance sheet and look at how we're doing and they ask, what the hell are we doing baseball for? Baseball doesn't make us enough money. It's an inefficient distribution of capital. Let's get rid of baseball. What the hell are we doing student sections for? What, the, what are we doing general admission for? We should be building more luxury boxes. We should be building smaller, more bespoke football experiences. Let's optimize and make everything more efficient. And that might make some people more money, but the real risk is – does that strip away even more about what makes college athletics unique and special and fun? This is not a, a big, a big secret. I'm a major critic of that model. I don't think it would be a positive thing for college athletics. And I'm hoping that's not where things eventually go, but it's a real possibility. Matt, with all these things swirling, we know that Oregon state and Washington state have kind of a two year bubble period here based on yeah. the lawsuit with the PAC 12. We learned, I guess it was late last week that it was, uh, I believe Washington or Oregon state that is going to go independent in baseball. That was one of those sports that uh, hadn't been decided yet. And we also knew previously that they had come to an agreement with the West coast conference. You had a, a piece about that last week, diving into the particulars of that contract with OSU, WSU and the WCC. Uh, what stood out to you, if any, Thing from that agreement yeah i was uh I, you know it was, i was a little surprised that the the pack two schools don't get any money at all from the wcc it's not i mean they're, they're actually paying hundreds of thousands of dollars 
to park their affiliate sports. And that's not uncommon, right? I, I could probably check the Floyd machine, but I bet Utah Valley probably pays something to the Big 12 to compete in wrestling. Um, that's that to help pay for officials and, and, and back-end work. But if, if, the, if Oregon State basketball goes on a run and makes the Sweet 16 in the basketball tournament, they don't get to keep any of the tournament units. They'll stay with the WCC. Like none of the television money stays with the WCC. I am fascinated what Oregon State's baseball schedule is going to look like. And, and my understanding is like this was actually one of the hurdles and one of the reasons that those two schools didn't end up putting everything in the Mountain West, which was really the expectation a couple of months ago. Because Oregon State, as, as I'm sure listeners of this program know, they're a baseball powerhouse. Like, they're not mm-hmm. content to just make the field. They want to host a regional. They want to compete for, for a national title. And I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to be able to get a bunch of out-of-conference games with Oregon and USC and UCLA and Stanford and some of these power conference teams that are, are trying to mitigate the number of, of trips east they have to make. But I, what, what they're going to do for weekday games, I think it's going to be fascinating. Are they going to be willing to spend some of that Pac-2 money to go buy guarantees or buy, you know, to, with like a Grand Canyon or, so, or some schools that are going to have RPI top 75? Um, are they going to end up playing Portland 12 times? <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be good enough to make noise deep in the tournament. But what that looks like from a computer gaming perspective, I think it's going to be fascinating. I hope they're able to get a bunch – of national games, including, you know, here in Texas, including in the Southeast, because that's a great program. And I wouldn't want their athletes to have to suffer because of a decision other sports made. Matt, one more thing for me, Uh, the coaching carousel with Harbaugh leaving, but at least it's promoting from within with Sharon Moore, who was introduced over the weekend. Uh, It was to the point where Saban kicked off this mass uh, merry-go-round. And then, of course, it was Washington, then Arizona and on and on. Are you happy that Michigan promoted from within, even if there's going to be some changes because it stopped the crazy of what was going on for so many days? <laughs> Boy, this is a great question. And I got to be honest, I have to acknowledge my bias here, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm a son of Columbus. And so, you know, there's me being happy for what, what this might mean for the industry or what this might mean for athletes. But, you know, I have a little bit of self-interest here. Uh-huh. The, the, I think the Michigan hire decision is so fascinating. Because so many people that were the architects and managers of that Michigan program are leaving with Jim Harbaugh. It's not just Harbaugh that's leaving. It's Jesse Minter's leaving. And so I'll say that Michigan strength and conditioning coach is leaving. And yep. they've got other assistants leaving. And typically, when you have a, whole sc- a wholesale you know, brain drain or, or regime change, you don't make a continuity hire. Like, if you're going to lose four of your top seven guys – then maybe it would make sense to bring in somebody from the outside because it's going to be very difficult to maintain exactly what you built, especially given how senior-heavy and NFL draftee-heavy that Michigan roster was. Now, we saw more as a play caller this season. We saw more as ability to develop a culture. You know, guy beat Ohio State, won every, won, uh, every game that, that he was on the sidelines for, including you know, Michigan's overwhelmingly two most difficult Big Ten games. So like, I, I, you can't look at, look at what he did and say that he's not, he's not qualified. I, I hope he's successful, especially because, you know, I'm, I'm always happy, you know, knowing how hard it is for so many African-American men to get head coaching positions in college football. You know, you're, you're happy when one of them is able to, go to, to get a job that he very clearly earned. But it's, a, it's just a very different calculus from what all the other major programs did here. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan has a relatively short lease, especially because their schedule is hard yep. next year. They've got Texas. They've got um, 
Penn State, they've got Washington, they've got Ohio State. I think they have one of the L.A. trips there. You know, they had some pretty easy schedules, both out of conference and in conference these past couple of years. This could be a team where Michigan goes 8-5 and five and misses the playoff. Not because Moore's not a great coach, but it's just a regression after losing so many players and now having a schedule change. And I think it would be unfair if he gets, uh, you know, maybe, maybe blamed a little bit too much for that, you know? Matt, great news on you and your, your company as you move in with uh, somebody else who's going to allow you to be who you are. You do a great job. It's always a great segment when we get you. We appreciate your time and have a great rest of your week. Hey, thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate the support and kind words. Look forward to us chatting again real soon. Absolutely. Matt Brown, publisher of at Extra Points, uh, D1 Ticker. Uh, and he had told me last week when I wanted to try to schedule him for Friday that he was having meetings for those who, uh, you know, he was trying to find somebody else. to. He needed help. Uh, he, financially a very successful thing, but he needed help. And he got the backbone help plus a company or two or three that's going to also help underwrite what he does and allow what he does, which is excellent, to continue forward into the future. Uh, yeah, great for him. And uh, I guess we'll hear about this new company midweek, uh, another college sports uh, company launched, or I guess that's kind of how he phrased it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a new venture. So uh, we'll see who that is. And he mentioned that we'll recognize some of the people involved um, midwesternly is, is how it sounded. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing whatever that is uh, when the time comes. But, yeah, glad for him and a good guy that uh, you can cover a lot of topics with because that Oregon State baseball thing was just something that maybe just goes by and don't pay attention to it, but we can get kind of a breakdown when he's looked at the West Coast Conference contract for the other sports and just kind of get a feel for how that's going to operate for the next couple of years and, um, you know, various issues like um, the the various rules throughout the NCAA that are being worked on and just the era that we're in. And just, I mean, there's a lot of, to unpack in this era of college sports, that's for sure, from video games to conference affiliations to business dealings, private investments, things like that. So, yeah, he's a one-stop shop for sure. All right, when we come back around the corner, uh, John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist, we're some, some college football notes to get to. Uh, as well, and don't forget tonight at 10.30 on the local CW with 365 Sports. I do have one note I want to pass along. Uh, This is of interest to us and for the Baylor crowd mostly, but uh, it is not officially announced by the school just yet, but in a report from – let me give the proper credit here um, because I just retweeted it a few minutes ago, but now it's not showing up on my timeline properly. So I'll circle back around as you guys give your thoughts. But I believe it was from Zach Smith. Okay, Zach Smith. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Zach Smith from the Waco Trib had this first, but uh, Baylor has not officially announced it, but they have confirmed Zach Smith's report that the women's basketball program will retire Brittany Griner's number 42 jersey at Foster Pavilion on February the 18th. And she said, uh, I'm honored to return home to Baylor and celebrate where so much of my journey started. So there you go. They are going to officially retire. And that's uh, another Hellas Frozen chapter already here in 2024. Yeah. Hellas Frozen Over chapter. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I always thought that there would be, you know, some thaw in that relationship um you know that, that happened especially after Kim Mulkey left because that was really what it was and look they both they both kind of dug the the holes there for themselves like Brittany did some things that I, I think that maybe um were a little less than mature when it came to talking about her time here at Baylor and and, and didn't maybe include all the facts like I don't think or she- 
even whatever she said, not everything she said was included in the article. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the there's feature. all those things that, like, you know, that, you know, was people had an agenda with Britney, and, and I think that that was what happened. But it should have never gotten to the point where the best player you're ever probably going to have, and I'm not knocking anybody who's been there before or will be there since, but a game changer when it comes to women's college basketball, uh, essentially – maybe the LeBron James of women's basketball when it's all said and done, like this is someone who came from there. You need to, to acknowledge the fact that she's there and, 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 and she also her. did earn her degree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because of the transition in the women's basketball program, she will be honored. Craig, thanks for bringing that up in the middle of February. And uh, I hope we get a chance to visit with her at some point between now and then. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll have hall of fame columnist, John McClain. This is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for great deals on your vehicle and for great prices on new vehicles or pre-owned vehicles if that's what you're looking to get done, whether it's work uh, on your existing ride or uh, wanting to simply get into a new one. That is what they are there for, and the customer service is top-notch and off the charts at Richard Carr as they've been giving folks great deals and great customer service for over 20 years now in Central Texas. And right now, they've got a lot of great offerings on the lot. That includes uh, the truck, not a truck, but the truck. When start talking about the GMC Sierra from Richard Carr, it's got strength, power, a stunning interior. Sometimes I got a car that's relatively new, but I look at like a 2023 and you see all of the other bells and whistles that have already started to be added on in cars over the last couple of years. And I already feel like my relatively new vehicle is sort of out of date when I see how fancy the new GMC Sierra interiors are. You can go check it out yourself right now at Richard Carr. It's a truck that has it all. And right now, hundreds of trucks on the lot ready to move at a great price. Uh, You can save thousands in holiday savings on both cars and trucks with a trade qualified Buyers can also save 10000 on a GMC Sierra SLT crew cab. Plus, military and first responders can save an additional $500. So go over to the dealership, uh, go online, or give them a call to check out all of the deals that can be had. But there's just a sampling of their big money off of the GMC Sierra vehicles right now at Richard Carr. And if you're not looking to uh, buy new and take advantage of those savings, you still take advantage of great prices on their pre-owned cars and trucks. Plenty of them, a lot full, as a matter of fact, in stock right now, 100 years cars and trucks to choose from and all have undergone a 172 point inspection and have met the Richard Carr seal of approval and when it comes to approval and comes to selling cars and financing their financing goal at Richard Carr is 100% credit approval they say yes when others say no so check out the great deals going on right now at the company that's been in business for 24 years here in Central Texas and over that time has built a reputation as the people on people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud Central Texans proud Baylor Bears log on to Richard Carr com today call now go see them now off highway six the imperial exit with so many companies and policies out there it gets so confusing shopping for insurance and i never know if i'm getting the policy that's right for me luckily i met the team at the niche group insurance agency with the niche group you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs with the niche group i know i'm getting the right coverage at the right price if you need insurance talk to the experts at the niche group at 1-800-258-8302 Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. 
Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally hear. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Thank you for calling your local Marco's Pizza. We're turning up the heat with our new Reaper Cheesy Bread. Fresh, house-made dough is topped with a spicy cheese blend infused with jalapeno, habanero, and Carolina Reaper peppers. At only $5.99, this limited-time product is a hot deal. Add it to your order while you can. A Marco's team member will be with you shortly. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. And that offer on the Reaper Cheesy Bread is available right now at any of the five Marco's Pizza locations in Waco, including Bellmead, Chida Spring, Robin Woodway and Hewitt. Order online at Marcos.com. Call for a pickup or delivery. Marcos Pizza is turning up the heat with their all-new Reaper cheesy bread with fresh, hot, house-made dough topped with a spicy cheese blend infused with jalapeno, habanero, and Carolina Reaper peppers and only $5.99 and for a limited time only. Marcos Pizza, the fastest-growing pizza brand in America, five locations in Waco, and the new Reaper cheesy bread. Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Hall of Famer John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist, joins us on 365 Sports. Uh, John, we have some news that is Baylor has now confirmed, and we will get deep into the NFL Conference Championship games and all of that, but Brittany Griner will have her jersey hung from the Raptors at the Foster Pavilion sometime in the middle of February. I think that's great to honor Brittany Griner because of everything she did at Baylor, the, the national championship, the recognition, and uh, I think that's a very cool deal for the school to do. Yeah, um, yeah, doing it against Texas Tech, and I'm just going to say this and get this joke out there now. I hope that they let her toss oh. a text player oh, acro- across the floor. It was my favorite Brittany Griner moments where she kind of came with <laughs> your own. Uh, and then the code, Christy Curry at Tech, was like, oh, I'm just Jordan Barncastle. That was her name. I was like, I'm just glad for Jordan Barncastle's safety. Like, uh, did you not see Jordan Barncastle starting a fight with Brittany Griner? She kind of got what was coming. Yeah, I don't think anybody in their right mind would start a fight with Reiner. No, no. Uh, John, we are to uh, Super Bowl week. You now we're the 
pre-Super Bowl times. Um, it kind of went chalk, although the Lions uh, gave it the old college try and really did it. What did you think about Dan Campbell's decisions, which are very much Dan Campbell, that's what he does, that's how he got them there, uh, that they came up just short? Well, people let him off the hook for those, but both times they failed and they gave up touchdowns. And, but they made enough other mistakes, a fumble, a long pass that went through the kid's hands, hit him in a face mask and was caught by Brandon Ayuk for a 51-yard game that led, game that led to Ayuk's touchdown catch from Brock Purdy. So they had two drops on uh, third and fourth down receptions, so they made a lot of mistakes. Basically, they just choked. They're up 24 to 7. Then they're up 24 to 10. Then they just came unglued. Jonas, what do you think about the, the 49ers and the journey they've been on? Obviously, a collection of big name stars that they've gathered together, a great head coach. Um, but uh, getting back to the Super Bowl where they were and, and fell to Baltimore just a few years ago, your thoughts on this particular Niners team and, and, and their story so far? They haven't won a Super Bowl since the 1994 season with Steve Young through six touchdown passes, still a Super Bowl record, and uh, led them to a victory over the Chargers, who was voted MVP. They're 0-2 since then. And uh, so they lost to Baltimore. And then when they lost to Kansas City, little did we know it, that ignited this Kansas City dynasty with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Now the, the Chiefs are trying to... They're going four or five years, six consecutive AFC championship games. They're trying to be the first team since the Patriots after the 03 and 04 seasons to repeat as champions. But the 49ers got stars at every level. You know, if you're going to take it based on uh, the quarterback, you're going to go with the Chiefs. If you're going to go with the quarterback salary, $450 million to $3.7 million, you're definitely going with the Chiefs. And and there's another stat out there. This is the fourth time in which we've had head coaches with a rematch. First time was Tom Landry and Chuck Knoll. Second time was uh, Marv Levy and uh, uh, gosh, I can't, oh, Jimmy Johnson. And the third time was Tom Coppola and Bill Belichick. And the one that won the first one always won the second one. That's another reason you take the Chiefs. And so I'm, I picked the Chiefs to lose both of those games, so what do I know? Uh, I wouldn't bet against them right now. So we're about to, depending on how long this Patrick Mahomes run continues, which it looks like there's no end of sight. You never know. It always can end. But have over about a 20-year period of time, maybe 25 or 30 years, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes to watch just – compile nothing but rings and trophies. Now, the thing about it, I heard guys on ESPN this morning saying Mahomes was better than Brady, and I'm like, give me a break. Mahomes has won two Super Bowls. Brady won seven with two different teams. When Mahomes gets up in that neighborhood, and he is great. He's the best player in the NFL today. But to say he was better than Brady, my goodness. And uh, both of them had great coaches. They helped make those coaches great. So uh, I love watching him play. You know, drop passes have not been an issue for them as they were for a while. And, uh, and you know, the 49ers have stars and on their front seven. On their offensive line, Trent Williams going to the first Super Bowl in, in uh, 14 years. 
And then, of course, with Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon IU. They're just loaded with stars. But uh, the Chiefs defense is playing great. It's getting a lot of publicity, but usually what we hear about are reading Mahomes, and I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And their defense, uh, with Steve Spagnuolo doing the coordinating, is great. He's tied the all-time record with Dick LeBeau, five Super Bowls as a coordinator, and I certainly am not betting against the Chiefs this time. And it should be a great game, but usually these are a measure of the quarterbacks. And Mahomes is beating Tua Tagovailoa, Josh Allen on the road, Lamar Jackson on the road, and I think he will beat Brock Purdy at a neutral site. All right, John, Dan Campbell and the Lions were a great story. Could have even been better, uh, but it didn't end very well because of, well, the fact 49ers got some breaks, took advantage of them, ended up winning the game. Uh, we had Ross Tucker on earlier today about some of the decisions. People focused in on fourth down twice, but the one about the third down run late in the game when they're trying to, you know, they had no, they, they wanted to save timeouts, needed to score. Uh, how much blowback Will that? How long will that last? And I sure as hell hope it doesn't overshadow what he did. Oh, it's not. You know, everybody's pointing that out. You know, once people start focusing on the Chiefs and the 49ers, they're going to look back at the Lions and point out they had their best season since 1957. And and those things you just mentioned, David, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, who's probably going to be Washington's head coach, unless Seattle steals it. He had some very curious calls. It's not going to keep him from getting a coaching job, just like it didn't keep Kyle Shanahan from blowing the biggest Super Bowl lead for Atlanta as the coordinator and point caller, keep him from getting the job with the 49ers. But uh, people may look back at the Lions and Dan Campbell. Everybody loves the Lions. Everybody loves Dan Campbell. And for a think he's born in Clifton, Grew up in Glenrose, went to College Station, and is now one of the toasts of the NFL. Nothing is going to people look back and go, oh, my God, it was a terrible ending. It was, but it's just got people even more fired up for next season. John, what do you think about Ben Johnson as possibly the new head coach for this new Washington ownership era? They're going to get a quarterback. If you're a coach, and you can't go to a situation like, say, the Chargers, where you've got a great quarterback there, and uh, then you want one who's in position to draft one who you can develop. And Ben Johnson would get that in Washington. He would not get that in Seattle in case Seattle offers him a job. Seahawks have a lot more talent. They're coming off a winning season, but they got Geno Smith. They need another quarterback. So everybody's predicting Ben Johnson's going to Washington. Johnson interviewed here last year, and he and if it hadn't been for D'Amico Ryans, I think they would have offered him the job. Now, he said he wanted to go back for another season of uh, being a coordinator and a play caller, and it's going to work out well for him, but they loved it. They said he impressed them in every way, and I know he's impressing the commanders and the Seahawks, and he'll be hired soon, possibly this week, and uh, the money's on Washington. John, what did you think about Raheem Morris to the Falcons? Everybody said Raheem Morris was ready to get a second chance, Paul. One of the advantages he has is he's coached on both sides of the ball. He's been an interim coach. He's been in Atlanta for four or five years. And so the owner, Arthur Blank, knew him very well. And 
when you are a have a defensive background, you better make sure you get a good offensive coordinator and a good quarterback coach, like the Miko Ryan's did with the Texans and Bobby Sloat, the coordinator, Drive Johnson, the quarterback coach. So that's the key. But everybody that's worked with him said he deserves a second chance. And there have been a lot of coaches fired. Bill Belichick, Marv Levy. You know, they were fired after having losing records with their first team, and they bounced back quite well. John, the uh, the game in Vegas, there was a time when that was verboten, and, and here they are hosting the game, and it was just a matter of time. Uh, your thoughts about what we've seen when it comes to gambling, now hosting a game in Vegas, and, it, a and team and a, in Vegas, a team in Vegas. Yeah, that's got to kill the Raiders that the Chiefs are going to be in a Super Bowl game in their own stadium. But but just how things have changed. And of course, part of life is things that are going to change along the way. As soon as somebody figured out how the NFL can make billions of dollars, as with 100 billion over a five to 10 year period, you knew they ran. And there have been players suspended. So far, nothing's happened where people think, oh, those games are rigged, except for those morons that think it's rigged for Taylor Swift to get to the Super Bowl. I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? Say Flowers, man, he gave, he did, he committed that penalty and on purpose and he fumbled on purpose and that's ah, just preposterous. But we are going to get a lot of, of uh, Taylor Swift and I personally like it. But I think the gambling thing, how many people are going to go? How many people in the media are going to go and not put down a little money? No telling how much money those casinos are going to bring in from the week of the Super Bowl, especially Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, uh, I had a letter from at the end of middle of last week from um, Zach Gilbert, who handles Radio Row. And as you know, Radio Row can be kind of a, a circus, usually about 100 to 115 or so stations. They had 150-plus requests for spots on Radio Row this year. Probably more than any, I'm guessing, because it is Vegas. Mm-hmm. When my station has all its shows out there, and they said, are you going? I said, no. I said, I went to over 40 Super Bowls. I never want to go to another one. When I want to go to Vegas, like I did last year, we're going to the first two two rounds of the NCAA tournament, and that's plenty for me. John, uh, Jim Harbaugh is back in the NFL. That occurred as well since the last time that we talked to you. He's a very polarizing figure, to say the least. Very successful every level, including the NFL he's been. What are your thoughts on him jumping back into the league? Uh, Not that it's a huge surprise, but also taking over that L.A. job. Well, it's great for the league because uh, that'll put the Chargers on the maximum number of national TV appearances uh, so they can make the most out of it. He'd done everything he could do at Michigan. So not only was he about to get suspended again by the NCAA, uh, he lost a lot of players, including his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. So the time was right. And as he pointed out when he talked, he said, there's no Lombardi Trophy in college football. He wants to join, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, uh, uh, who else? Oh, Pete Carroll as being the coaches who won national championships in college and the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't put it past him before he wears out his welcome again. You say that as if it's inevitable. 
it is inevitable because <laughs> having him everywhere he's gone, he's a great. It's like he said in the last job with the 49ers. You know, he, he said, they just didn't want me anymore. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what they said in San Diego. That's what they said at Stanford. And he's so big at Michigan, it didn't matter. And he's quirky, and he's got his way of doing things. And a lot of times behind the scenes, it rubs people the wrong way, as it did a lot of people John, in the 49ers organization. All right. You said 40 Super Bowls. This will be my 30th. I haven't been to 30 games, but my 30th. And um, so I, I remember my first. Do you remember the difference in maybe an old story about when you first went to your first Super Bowl? Oh, gosh. It was in, uh, <laughs> it was in uh, New Orleans, and uh, the Raiders were allowed to go out and party every night. The Eagles were not. Dick Vermeil kept them under the curfew and everything, and the Raiders beat the hell out of them. Yeah, they did. And uh, it's not, not that I was out at two or three in the morning mm-hmm. uh, back then. I, 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 I remember bumping into you in New Orleans several times out in the middle, middle of the night, <laughs> and uh, uh, when you were roaming Bourbon Street. And uh, not that I was there, but people told me about it. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I remember: Raiders being everywhere. Yeah. John Matuzak. Some of those wild and crazy Raiders uh, going nuts. I remember the, the one of the first ones, second or third, 49ers pull up and Bill Walsh, the coach, had gone early. He's dressed like a bellman. And he comes out and starts picking up their bags, not saying a word to any players. And they're like, there's a guy that looks like Coach Walsh. Oh, my God, it is yeah. Coach Walsh. And he did that to try to loosen everything, and in Detroit, that might have been Detroit, buses had no clue how to get to the Silverdome. Snow was terrible. Buses broke down. You had to walk about an hour in the snow to get to the stadium. There have been all kind of great stories about the Super Bowl. I wrote near the end of my career with the Chronicle, I wrote a long story about my Super Bowl experiences. They kept popping up, and I thought, man, I could have written a million inches on this. Detroit, was that Washington against um, – who was that against that they beat in the Super Bowl? I can't remember. Was Buffalo. That Buffalo in 91, maybe been Detroit uh, when, when they did that. But, that, uh, yeah. The one I'm talking about was like 82 Oh, okay. Detroit. That might have been there Cincinnati was, uh, and San old, Francisco. Yeah. That's who it was. The yeah. old, that, you know, that was my third, second, third, something like that. And uh, I love going. They were all great experiences. But I just don't like crowds anymore. I'll let you guys take care of that. And, uh, oh, one other time, a guy calls me up that I knew and, and says, hey, uh, would you like to have the guy kill Bin Laden on your talk show? And I said, what? He said, the Navy SEAL is here, and I'm friends with him, and would you like to interview him on your talk show? He had his SEAL Team 6 and killed Bin Laden. I'm like, well, let me check. <laughs> And so I put him, I said, they said, what? Well, of course. So it turned out he was promoting a book. But that was the strangest interview I have ever participated in. Golly. That, that, I would think so. Yeah, that'd be one. I, I would almost have to prep, not, not even prep, because I think you could over prep for that one. There's yeah. only a few questions. Just, well, this was a last-minute deal, and they were walking around outside Radio Row, and he was showing, can't remember the guy's name now, uh, showing him the Super Bowl. His friend of mine goes every year. He's not the media. And uh, he was showing him around. 
And he goes, oh, by the way. So it, it went great because you just said, uh, okay, tell us about it. And that was before <laughs> they had two movies about SEAL Team 6 and how it all went down. It became so public. And Rob, his name was Rob something. And you talk about a great story. Nobody even, when he finished, we're like, Wow. Okay, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I've watched both of those movies or documentaries. It's, it, that, that's yeah. unbelievable. Isn't John, it unbelievable? Yeah. <laughs> John, uh, I do have a, a, a throwback question here. You mentioned John Matuzak. You are uh, one of the world's leading movie buffs like me. What is the better John Matuzak role, North Dallas 40 or The Goonies? Uh, North Dallas 40, after Tom Landry prayed, and he stood up and he screamed out, let's go kill those bleep suckers. Okay, there we I'm go. I'm guessing you didn't get that in the Goonies. No, you did not. You, he is sloth in the Goonies. Can you so. imagine Matuzak and, Al, uh, and Alzado uh, walking down Bourbon Street, crocked? Oh, my goodness. My they brother, let them run wild, and they didn't care as no. long as they won. And they and won. They won. And they did. They did. They played well, and the loose and goose, and the, and the Eagles were. Hey, you got time for one more story? Yeah, yeah, of course. 49ers, we're in L.A. They took us to Cal Irvin for the media media uh, day uh, before it was in the stadium. And there were two things I remember about that. Downtown Julie Brown from MTV was running around, jumping. She was wearing this, like, really revealing top and a skirt that was almost up to her waist, jumping in players' arms, and then sticking a microphone in question and asking them something about their footballs and stuff like that. And everybody was shooting pictures. There's no, of course, videos back then. And then Bubba Paris, the offensive tackle of the 49ers, was being interviewed, crowd around him, and Bubba said he'd become a Christian. And the 49ers people win. Well, last week. Well, how do you know you became a Christian? Because God washed over me. And I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, what were you doing? Having sex with my girlfriend? And everybody's like, what? Yeah, I was having sex with my girlfriend and something came over me. And I, and I, and now I'm a Christian. And from everything I've heard, He's still a Christian, but I've never heard anybody tell their story that way. If you Google Bubba Paris Super Bowl, you'll see that story, including several I've written through the years. That was my favorite story. Well, look. That's an ender. Hey, yeah. yeah that's uh, As Chan Gailey said, that's an ender. He uh, won't know the time or the place. <laughs> yeah. Says it in the book. <laughs> Thank you, uh, John. Thank, Thank you, guys. Second Bears. Hall of Fame, John McLean Storyteller Deluxe. <laughs> That's that's more than I wanted to know right there. But Bubba Pear, hell of a player, hell of an offensive lineman. Yeah. For those uh, and and oh, I told this to Paul yesterday, Craig. The the Patriots have more Super Bowl appearances than anybody, and it's not really close. Eleven. They had one up until Belichick and Brady started to go and win. What was their six? And then they were a part of a couple of others or so with. Um, I guess two or three others they lost, two to the Giants. The next is a group of teams with eight. So think about this. One of them is San Francisco now. The Cowboys have eight. The Cowboys have not been to a Super Bowl since 1995, and they're still tied for second for the most appearances in a Super Bowl, 
and they haven't been in over a quarter of a century. That's how dominant they were prior to the end of the 95 team that won it in Super Bowl thirty, That's really impressive, and it does speak to how dominant they were up until that point. Uh, what doesn't, though, is that when they last won that Super Bowl, they were tied for the most Super Bowl wins, which mm. is a far more important stat than the yeah. number of appearances because it's like, hey, I've been to 10 national championships. Well, how many trophies do you have? Because that's what really matters, yep. right? Yep. Um, TCU, nice to be there, but you'd rather have the, the big gold lipstick tube um, to go in your trophy case. But since Dallas did that they've now been passed by two franchises in all-time Super Bowl wins and Kansas City's now nipping on their heels and San Francisco will pass them if they win because you've got the Steelers who went and got their uh, sixth uh, during that time period the uh, Patriots obviously went on a crazy run and how many did you have you had uh, 01 03 04 14 16 and 18 all occurred since uh, Dallas last won their Super Bowl. So they've got yeah, all they've, six of theirs that have occurred since the Cowboys won their fifth Super Bowl. Since so, they upset Kurt Warner and the Rams. So yeah. the Patriots have six, the Steelers have six, the Cowboys are in a two-person group with five, and that other person or San other Francisco. franchise is the San Francisco 49ers. So San Francisco could join the sixth Super Bowl club with Pittsburgh and New England should they win. And then if Kansas City wins – well, they would uh, be leaping out of that three Super Bowl group, which is them, Washington, and Vegas, and Denver. So they share that with two of their three division mates and could leap over the Broncos and Raiders, their two arch rivals, and join the Packers and the Giants with four. So that is all – that's one of the others going to happen. Either the, the Chiefs uh, get their fourth and they join the, the Packers and Giants and start closing in on the Cowboys, or the uh, 49ers will join that – six Super Bowl winning club, which is, uh, I don't know, I've just always found that interesting because there was a time that Washington was actually not that bad at three, mm-hmm. and now they've just, like, just they, slid, yeah. slid they, down been immensely. In neutral. They've yeah. been in neutral. Everybody's jumped ahead of them. Thanks to John McClain. We appreciate that. When we come back, we'll try to tie up a couple of college football notes. Oklahoma got one of the starting offensive linemen from Washington. Arizona's had a tough day. You know, they had that con- initial surge Washington, and then they slowed it down, had a real good weekend last weekend, and now that's kind of popped up again. Uh, So we'll look at some of the uh, departures and where they're going and more, and this is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. 2024 Wagoneer L 4x4 is what I drove for four days, uh, and I just... Can't say enough about it. You've heard me discuss it since, uh, what, middle or early of last week. Uh, It's a 10 inches longer vehicle than the standard Wagoneer. This is an alpha, is what I call it, because that's what it is. The towing capacity, what you need if you want to use it for that. Capri leather trim seats, Hurricane twin turbo with start-stop, global black interior, Baltic gray metallic clear exterior paint. It is beautiful. Also, the space inside is beyond anything I've experienced. And I've driven SUVs, and I've driven some that they've asked me to test drive. And I had a Tahoe for nearly 400,000 miles that back when I bought it in 2001 was a really nice size vehicle. 
uh, Uconnect, 5 navigation, the display, 10.1 inches. It looks like a laptop or a, a flat screen right there in front of you because it is. Also, GPS navigation, an Alpine 9 speaker system with subwoofer. And believe me, I tried it, and it works because Eric Carrillo, who let me kind of learn about the vehicle before I started driving it, told me, hey, you can try it. Eight-way power-adjustable driver and front passenger seats, power fold recline seats, eight And there's even room behind the third row for you to put groceries, your golf clubs, or something else if that's what you want. 18-inch fully painted satin carbon aluminum wheels and 19 miles per gallon, 23 on the highway. It is an alpha. It is a dude. It is the 2024 Wagoneer L 4x4. Right now available, Alan Samuels on Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL 
Fund. BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student-athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations. Three sixty five sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Couple of notes in uh, college football. Washington had that Joe Moore offensive line that was awarded because, well, they they obviously were amazing. Uh, they Oklahoma has landed. Jerrion Hatchett, who started for the the Huskies' Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, two years of eligibility remaining. Mentioned Jamar, uh, Jabbar Muhammad is going to now be at Oregon. That was more in the early part of the weekend. And then Arizona, which did, you know lost a little bit, then they got it back, and then some stayed, and then they're still. Raheem Wright, one of their top commits for the 2024 class, is now headed to join Jed Fish at the University of Washington. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma needs uh, to add bodies on that line, and so uh, not a better place to go and grab guys, really, than from the University of Washington after this past season. I mean, I guess Michigan would have a say in that as well, and, and perhaps a couple of others. But, yeah, that'll that'll do the trick, and excited to see with uh, Jackson Arnold finally taking over after a couple of years of just ramp up and, you know, a lot of excitement and a lot of hope and, and all those things. Uh, it's good to know that he'll have some guys protecting him and hopefully we'll be able to, to have time to do his thing and, and show why people were so excited about him to begin with. But, uh, yeah, that's a it's a nice pickup. And um, the other one you mentioned, uh, yeah, we talked about Muhammad earlier, but uh, with Arizona, I mean, that's that's just part of the deal. I mean, unfortunately, that's just part of when you lose a really good head coach and – Jed Fish was a really good head coach. wasn't there very long, but made a big impact. And we've said, and or I've said, and, and maintained that their biggest names uh, were the ones that they got back pretty quickly after the the change was announced. And that was Tetairoa McMillan, and uh, also their terrific quarterback and Noah Fafita. But yeah, there's a lot of other guys outside of those two. And so, how they go about addressing putting players around those guys and filling in the holes that are now left by a lot of their good players on defense leaving. Cause that was the other thing is like, I know I've, I've focused on those two, especially on offense and mentioned Michael Wiley and guys like that from time to time, but their defense was really stinking good too. I mean, it, that to the point where Texas went after, um, you know, one of their coaches to bring over and, and help out with the Longhorns defense. So uh, I think they had some, some playmaking ability on that side. So, yeah, there's a lot of changeover with Arizona right now. It's hard to kind of see beyond McMillan and Fajita, uh, Fafita, Fafita coming back, um, you know, what all that's going to look like. But that's still a better starting point than you could have hoped for, given that you figured they'd probably be off at Washington right now, the way things uh, went init- initially. So, yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. And I know our buddy Jason Shear is very busy right now with all of the ongoings at, uh, in Tucson. Ephesians pre-sock, uh, price sock, excuse me was a really good player for them he had remember entered the portal then said no he was the one that wanted people to buy his jersey yeah. and now he is on his way to play at the university of washington yeah it's just how it is like i um i would just caution fans don't don't get attached anymore i mean you know they're gonna leave it's hard to tell you that but like that's just you have to you know adjust to the new reality of 
the school doesn't mean as much to them as it does to you. Nope. It's different. It's a different time. Um, Not, I would say, for the most part. I think there are yeah. guys who grew up in like a Michigan family or yeah. an Ohio State family, and it means a lot to them. But I think those are few and far between compared to the guys who, yeah, it's well, just what can I get out of this? Well, and then the other thing, look, the other the other way is, look, in a business sense, like it can mean a lot to something. But if the, something's not giving back to you and somebody is, you got to look out for yourself. Oh, yeah. Now, that's not the case, I don't think, with guys like Ephesians Prysock who would have – done well either where he wanted to be but look he wanted to be with jed fish he's going where jed fish is it's just the nature of it now and the reason it's so hard to wrap your head around is that we can't wrap our head around because the only only free agency we know about before this was professional sports and there's rules there as where this is just kind of oh you know uh Raheem Morris can't just call up the three best players from the rams and be like hey uh i'm going here now would you like to come here like well, if they're under contract, they can't. Yeah, based on NFL yeah. rules and also contracts. And the team owns the rights to the players as long as they are still under contract, unless they do want to say, no, you can move on. So it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy world that we have now in college football. Oh, I mentioned Texas and Houston tonight, men's basketball. That's a pretty good turnaround for Texas. Uh, they, they had to win. Uh, on the road against Oklahoma, then they went into Provo, lost to Provo, lost to BYU, and turned around. Now they'll play at home against Houston. They can like just be like a bunch of fire ants all up in your business. So there we are with that. All right, uh, when we come back, Paul Catalina and his top five. This is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine. When I get back, I've got two trips back-to-back. I'm going to Kansas City and Lawrence for that game, and then I'm going pretty much right from there to Vegas for the Super Bowl. But when I get back, I'm going to finally put to use the fantastic gift certificate uh, gifted to me by the one and only Kim Coulter uh, and uh, go get after some of those craft bourbons that are there. They have the best selection of local craft bourbons you can imagine. If it's made in Texas and it's bourbon, they've got it at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. If they don't, it means they're probably out because they have a very wide selection. Uh, last time I was in there a couple weeks ago, just great displays of all these different new things that I haven't tried. So hopefully um, I don't miss out on something uh, and get back in. But if I do, it's always coming back around. No matter what it is, they've got it there at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street. And look, if you're not into that or if you're not over on that side of town, they have another location on Franklin in downtown Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, now with two locations to serve you. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has been proudly serving Texans across the state for over 60 years. Call 254-772-8090 to find an agent who will provide a free review of your auto, home, and life coverage. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas, they have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let 
houses create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 Super Bowl storylines. Number 5. Superman versus Mr. Irrelevant. And this to me is, you know, I, you know, I, I, you're going to enjoy watching both quarterbacks in this game, but the paths have been very different. Obviously, you know, the 10th pick in the draft and everything that, that Patrick Mahomes has done to Brock Purdy coming out of nowhere to not be the intended starter. They drafted Trey Lance with the second overall pick a couple of years ago. They drafted Brock Purdy with the last pick. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was there and he got hurt. And then, or, I mean, Lance started the season. Then Garoppolo comes back in. They both get hurt. Purdy comes in, has been absolutely fantastic since that point. Point, uh, came off the injury that he suffered at the end of last year uh, and was great this year, uh, putting up close to MVP caliber numbers. Uh, and then, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who the only person who's knocked him off in a Super Bowl was the GOAT uh, in Tom Brady. So these are two very different guys, but two guys who are very much on the top of their games. And we'll see how that works out. But this is, you know, if you're just picking on the quarterbacks, most people are going to pick Mahomes, but I wouldn't count out Brady or, uh, uh, Brady, <laughs> count out Brock Purdy in this. Uh, advantage Chiefs, uh, pretty yeah. clearly and not even close. Uh, yeah. If the 49ers beat the Chiefs and it's because Brock Purdy has a great game, that'll be awesome. But, yeah, this is a heavily slanted towards KC matchup. And, uh, you know, as far as the rest of it goes, we will see. But uh, great for Brock Purdy to get to this point. I mean, don't doubt him now that they've – uh, reached this stage and that he can't sit there and, and be hoisting the trophy because he's got a great team around him. I mean, it's not going to be on these two guys and these two guys alone. But, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see it, two you know former Big 12 quarterbacks uh, that aren't from the typical schools necessarily, an Iowa State guy. I mean, it's not like we've been watching a ton of Iowa State quarterbacks just tear up the league. And Brock Purdy has gone from Mr. Irrelevant to helping lead a team to Super Bowl. So that's pretty awesome. And then, uh, I mean, Tech has uh, had uh, – it's like they hit the lottery with Patrick Mahomes shoot to stardom and the massive success that he's having and will continue to have for a, a long time. So, yeah, those two programs have to be happy about the next couple of weeks of buildup um, and the promotion they can get out of that and just the, the happiness for their players. But, uh, yeah, this is pretty lopsided as far as uh, resume and track record goes, but it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Yeah, Who I'm, has more stars on their uh, around them? Oh, I, I, well, around them? I mean – um, I would say Purdy does because probably he's got... yeah. If you're yeah, if you're talking about the entire team or I don't, I think it's pretty close. I mean, we act like Patrick's like sitting here dealing with bums off the street, no. and it's like these guys are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, well, and a pretty good O line, and I I don't know. Well, I, look, the only one of the only tight ends that you can say 
is better than George Kittle is Travis Kelsey, right? So, yeah. like, he's got an advantage there. Wide receivers are advantage Brock Purdy because he's got Debo and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. I mean, those guys, you saw, I mean, if, if you hadn't really watched the 49ers or known about Brandon Ayuk, you saw him yesterday, like, he is exploding uh, into the NFL And they right don't have now. a bad tight end either. No, as I said, like, yeah. the only one who's probably better is yeah. Travis Kelsey yeah. uh, in you know, that, that's just, you know, well, that's the luck of the draw there. But the top two tight ends of the league probably are in this game. Uh, I mean, I think if you're talking about, I mean. The best running back right now is in the game in Christian McCaffrey. So, But I think Patrick Mahomes' own score for himself yeah. it takes up about two or three of those Niner stars. I mean, the impact that he can have on the game. Yeah, I think you, you can make an argument probably for San Francisco all around, but I don't know. Kansas City's got some dogs on defense, too, so it's pretty even. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a talent fest for sure. Their defense really has been uh, more consistent than anything else they've had. And they needed it this year because of the sometimes the concerns in the passing game are on offense. Yeah, Number four, the rematch of 2020 um, in Miami. This was uh, a game that, you know, was, you know, this was Mahomes – you know, break out and all that. And, and I, uh, it was Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback for the 49ers and they built it very much on the defense side of the ball and their offense was very efficient, but I don't think anybody thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to lead the 49ers to multiple Super Bowls. And maybe people don't think that about Brock Purdy. What I will say that's different about this one is the 49ers offense is really explosive now. Uh, and Brock Purdy's a part of that. Um, I mean, look, there's, upgrades everywhere else so you know Debo is is one of the best players in the game Brandon Ayuk is an upgrade over everything they had before Kittle's still there you know a lot of the offensive line's still there some of the defenders are still there uh Christian McCaffrey has joined this and and you know even when he's having a bad game he's still kind of having a good game Uh, you can do so much with them so because they have an offense that's now so completely flexible it is a lot different and and maybe Mahomes' receivers aren't as reliable but here comes Rasheed Rice you know a rookie who's really starting to establish himself mvs is starting to make the catches when he needs to and then you've got isaiah pacheco who uh runs like he's mad at the grass so it's all kind of kind of working out for the chiefs he runs hard and yet sometimes it doesn't look like he's going anywhere but he's he does elbows and you know what is what the way he runs yeah so um what did somebody ask him? Does he run runs like he's about to get bitten by a zombie? And he was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, that's an interesting storyline here. Um, anything on that, guys? We can go to the next one. No, I, I All just right. meant style. Right. Number three. Which defense can impose their will more? These are two very good defenses. Kansas City, obviously, yesterday imposed their will a whole lot more than than San Francisco did. But the Niners are a team that has a ton of defensive stars. Uh, Fred Warner is as good of a defensive player as there is in the league, not to mention Bosa and Young in the ends, what they have up the middle with their defensive tackles. Drake Greenlaw, the other linebacker, really good secondary. The Chiefs. Defense overshadowed by the fact that Mahomes is on the other side, but has been elite all year. So which one can actually impose their will more? Right now, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the Chiefs just because that's what they've been doing. But if the 49ers, you know, smell blood in the water, they've been a team that can really attack you. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, I'm interested to see if Bosa or those guys uh, can find a way to wrangle Mahomes. It's amazing his, uh, his ability to escape or just not even have pressure basically whatsoever a lot of the time. I mean, he's got such a clean pocket, and then when he does finally get some pressure, he's able to show his athleticism or just he's such a big body that it bounces off of him as opposed to bringing down a you know a lesser guy. But uh, both defenses really good. 49ers more known for that, but now the 
the word's been out on how good Kansas City uh, is, and so yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to see which one can you know maybe grab a pick that turns the tide of the game or is able to get the most pressure on the opposing quarterback. But uh, yeah, that's going to be the big storyline. Even though most of the focus will probably be on the quarterback matchup or just all the stars out there. Now, look, Chris Jones is there, so he, he kind of makes up for a lot of this. But Charles Amenahu will be out. He tore his ACL. And Derek Nandi, their starting defensive tackle, also out. He's got a torn uh, pec or tricep or something uh, in that regard, and he will not be there. So that is uh, a hit for the, the Chiefs defense. Number two. Shanahan versus Reed. Uh, I find this uh, like very interesting because Kyle Shanahan is where Andy Reed was before he got to Kansas City right now in his career. He's getting the team regularly in the NFC Championship game into his second Super Bowl. Uh, this is his second chance to win it. He hasn't gotten through there. You wonder, would maybe this kind of help him break through and be even more consistent if he got the win like Andy Reed has? Andy Reed doesn't coach tight at all in any situation. I mean, he just, now that, it, I mean, once they won that Super Bowl, you just kind of look over at Andy Reed and you're like, well, Whatever decision he makes is probably going to work out. When he was at Philadelphia, it was kind of like you felt sorry for him, and it was a thought that maybe he was uptight. Mm-hmm. And, and it was sometimes because they were playing better people. Uh, so it, it's amazing what happens when you win a ring, you win a championship, and then how all of a sudden here comes multiple rings, and now where he's thought of among the best coaches of all time. Pressed by Shanahan, I mean, at halftime, they could have really panicked, and they didn't. And uh, I, I almost wondered if they were starting to panic a little bit just the way Detroit got out the way that they did. But uh, credit to Sam Fram for just settling in and playing their style of game and just chipping away and eventually creating a huge swing the other direction. But, yeah, I mean, you want to break through that ceiling, and once you do that, it's no longer a uh, topic. But uh, when it's still sitting there above you like it is for Kyle Shanahan at the moment, that's going to be one of those storylines, whether valid or not or whether you like it or not. So, yeah, can he finally break through is is the big question. And, and Andy Reid knows all that, that knows that storyline all too well himself. Yep. And number one, who is the X factor in this game? And, and I'm not even um, thinking about – the because in the Super Bowl it's always somebody kind of random, so I'm not even thinking about like Timmy Smith, yeah, Larry Brown, Larry Brown, yeah, like yeah. who is that? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I like I, I just wonder who is who is the one. Um, you know, who's the guy comes out of nowhere? It's probably not going to be McCaffrey or I mean, we know we're from them, but you know, is it Jawan Jennings making a, a huge play, uh, the third wide receiver? Who you know? Is it somebody random on defense? Look, the X factor in the game uh, at a point for the Chiefs this last week was Deion Bush, who got an interception in the end zone, and he had been in for two total plays. Like, he just came in two plays before, made a big interception, and really took the wind out of the Ravens' sails. It's even that much more in the Super Bowl, so I'm wondering who's going to come out of nowhere. Is it Kyle Juszczyk, who made a big play yesterday? Who makes the big play that we're not expecting in the Super Bowl, or who kind of comes out of nowhere that they don't expect because everybody's focusing on, let's make sure that McCaffrey's not a factor. Let's take all the stuff that Debo does out of there. Let's lock down you know, Brandon Ayuk with, with Snead and, and make sure he doesn't get open deep. All those things, if those were who's the guy that could come out of nowhere and and win it for somebody yeah i mean if we knew that we'd put it on vegas right now and go make a lot of money because that's without a doubt probably some type of a prop bet um and there's also the potential that there's not a larry brown or um 
David Tyree or someone along those lines, and it's just Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it's just the the X Factor or Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, I mean, who, who's who's raising that MVP trophy at the end of the night? Uh, that is that is definitely one of the questions heading into the next couple of weeks of the uh, the countdown to this game, which should be awesome. And yeah, I I don't know. There's so many options to choose from that are. I mean, there's so many names in this game. Um, it's almost unfair when you look at the the rosters. I know Chiefs aren't quite, you know, like when they had Tyree Kill, it almost felt like they had an unfair amount of talent, and they still got a good bit. But then if there's anybody who has, like, more name talent, it's San Francisco. But, yeah, you you got a lot of great options in this game on, on all sides of the football. So, yeah, that that is definitely a big question entering Vegas here in a couple weeks. All right. Uh, I don't really have any like that. Who's – you may have to even go to Vegas and look down the list after about 12 or 15 names of who that might be. I'm going to throw one out there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, been a total bust for the Chiefs. Okay. But, you know. He was good his first year, wasn't he? A little bit, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then it's just, I but mean, Pacheco. Pacheco, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and someone like Pacheco could pop a long one. Justin all Watson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's Look, he, he made two. He had a huge catch yesterday, and he uh, – Fielded a punt down at the one yard line. He's the yeah. one that had a couple of drops. Well, of course, all of them did. They had oh, they, str- they struggled with that. <laughs> that's that was par for the course. Is it what, Mar- uh, Marquise uh, Scantling? Yeah. If all of a sudden he was to do that after he had well, gone he had, up and down with uh, Aaron Rodgers, last and well, last two weeks he he had tons of drops, including one. Can't remember. Maybe it was against Buffalo in that game. He had a drop on a, a clear touchdown uh, in the regular season game. But mm-hmm. last week against Buffalo, two big catches, and then last night the, the catch the to dagger. Sealant. Yeah, yeah, the dagger on his back as he's falling down, and yeah. he made that catch. Yeah, absolutely. Emory Winter is working his magic for tonight, ten thirty every weeknight on the CW three sixty five Sports tonight. Thanks to Jack McKenzie, who is as happy as he's ever been that I've known him over the years and uh, great job jack coming in garrett's back with us tomorrow thanks to you those who have been in the text line the uh, chat room watching or listening what we do 365 sports tonight also our incredible sponsor we will be in vegas next week for coverage of super bowl 58 inside of uh nfl media headquarters off the mandalay bay for paul catalina and craig smoke thank you i'm david smoke have a great night This is 365 Sports.